Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of his age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for the lust. Blindly passing, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Thank you, Lord, for the days that we're in right now. We praise you, Father, for the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations, the turning points that many of us are going through, but turning points for the better, uh, where we are learning more and more about that which we need to uh, become to please you and to be in harmony with your will in our lives and our walk and to ever improve, we pray in Jesus' name, uh, that sanctification, that desire to be holy and righteous before you, that holiness and righteousness that can only come from you and due to the desire, the deep desire in our hearts for intimacy with you and our Lord Jesus. We praise you, Father God, for awakening us to the days that we're in right now. Uh, as some in their teachings refer to it as the tip of the sphere, um, we lay claim to nothing but wanting and being very desirous to our love for you to be in harmony with that which would be uh, your will for our walk and to be able to touch other people's lives in a loving and kind manner uh, that uh, will change them and bring them to a greater knowledge of you, a greater intimacy with you, and to be able to bring you, bring, help them to go through the days that we have ahead of us in a, in a more graceful manner without the fear that will beset so many who will not understand the things that are coming upon the earth. And we just give you all the praise and glory, Father God. We thank you for helping us to navigate the ambiguity of the weirdness of the world that is out there that we are so uh, you know intimately aware of. Uh, and we praise you Lord for helping us and filling our lives with a sense of your presence that uh, helps us to be able to get through each one of these individual days in a you know kind of like a day tight compartment 
commitment, you know, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And we praise you, Father, for helping us through these things when we slip, when we fall, when we uh, trip and uh, end up at the bottom of the well. Lord Jesus, please continue to reach your hand down and pull us back up again, straightening us out, uh, you know, uh, helping us to dust ourselves off. We have the determination. We have the will. We want to be everything that you want us to be, and we just need your touch, your anointing uh, in each of our lives as we seek you and seek to to alter our course uh, as best as we can so that we are walking in the absolute utmost of harmony with your will in the days that we move forward uh, and, and the days that we have ahead of us. And we pray, Father God, also that we are able to, t- again, through our prayer, uh, through the people that you place in front of, uh, you know, in, in the midst of our walk, that you will help us to say just the right words and not too much uh, to be able to lead someone to the glory that is associated with the days that we're in right now and not just, you know, share with them the scary stuff, but to share with them the, the hope that we have uh, that separates us from those who would harbor only fear uh, when they awaken to the things that are happening across this world, because that is the quintessential essence of all things uh, of the cross, the quintessential essence of all things that you have done for us, Lord Jesus, as our advocate before the Father. And we pray in the name of Jesus that each one of us will continue to grow closer to you and more intimate in our walk, and that we will be able to, as a result of that, overflow with your glory, your grace, and your love, and your peace in such a manner that we touch other people's lives in an amazing and miraculous way. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch each of us, uh, that you will reveal to each one of our hearts that which needs to be revealed so that we can focus, you know, uh, on on drawing in more close and being, uh, you know, getting getting the the sin or the the parts of our lives out completely out, uh, so that uh, our intimacy with you can is not in any way hindered, and we are uh, qualified only through your will, Father God, uh, to be not just called but chosen. And we praise your holy name, and we thank you for this, Father, from the very bottom of our heart. We thank you for uh, all the scary end times news that keeps us on the edge of our seats, and we pray in Jesus' name that it reveals to each one of us opportunity to touch other people's lives, to bring them along with us, and and to also motivate us uh, to draw in closer to you each and every day. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, we pray and thank you, Father God. Amen.
Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. There's so much information, as always, on every single show to give out that uh, it's overwhelming, and I don't have the ability to do it. It would require... Oh, many, many more hours of uh, radio show time, and uh, it's uh, it's just a blessing. Praise God. But I wanted to share with you, there is, I don't know where, where you can get a copy of it. Um, I'm actually debating reading this on the prayer vigil for next Friday, but I don't know if that's what I'll do or, or what I'll do. I don't know. I, I don't know how I will do. I just don't know. I just don't know. But I will uh, share with you that there is a um, uh, a uh, PDF out there, a document out there that was uh, that I was hooked up with from Sister Tatiana. She's the one who uh, who has her mother living in Odessa um, uh, in the Ukraine, and um, and I've played some of her audio on this radio show in uh, you know in the past to help people to understand, uh, you know, to to hear both sides of the stories and understand you know the the plight and the impact and the emotional impact on the people that are over there right now and 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 to give it a little bit of an inkling of the truth instead of just listening to the reptilian sick freaks that we are forced to uh well not only be aware of but to have to be subject to under their nebuchadnezzar like evilness and law uh and uh it's it it, it's a very difficult walk but anyway i wanted to share i'm going to read a little bit of this but then i got to move on very very quickly uh just because again of the sheer magnitude of uh the amount of information that we need to get out and we want to try to get sister terry on as soon as possible of course uh, which is going to be a powerful and a, a super anointed and blessed uh, teaching tonight. Praise God that I, I know that we're all looking forward to. Praise Jesus. So anyway, uh, the title of this is called Come Up to Me, and I'm just going to read a snippet of it, almost like an introduction, an introdu- introductory snippet of it. Good morning, precious remnant, it starts out with. By the way, I do not know the author of this. I have no idea where it came from. Uh, and in a way, it kind of makes it a lot better for me. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. I, it, or, or, I'm always perfectly honest, so let, let me reword that. I'm going to be very forthcoming in my feelings deep down inside in the sense that sometimes when there's a name associated with a particular document, article, um discussion, whatever it may be, that is uh, out on the internetosphere, and it's handed over my way, and I see that it's written by, you know, Sally Frankenfurter, it's somehow that just, I don't know, it almost like robs me a little bit of the supernaturalness of the document itself and the words that are coming through the document to my heart. Okay, I like I like it just to, I, when I, 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 you know, I want to feel like it's coming from Jesus. I don't want to know that it's coming from Sally Frankenfurter. All right. So anyway, um, and I'm just making these names up, but this one has no name associated with it. And I'm very, very happy about that. Uh, it makes it feel like it's coming directly from Jesus. And I like that. Now, all that being said, I'm going to read a little snippet of it because I think it touches everybody. It, boy, it's a really, really good. And I really, really do hope that I somehow and mirac- miraculously given the time necessary to be able to share the whole thing with uh, the entire listening audience. But it starts out as, good morning, precious remnant. Today is the day that the majority of the Christian church will celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, those of us who have celebrated Passover have already honored the fact. But each day we know that the power of his resurrection keeps us up, empowers us, motivates us to press into the fullness of all that he has called us to be. Now the message I want to give today is one I mentioned in my last message that I received last Wednesday. Now I have no idea about any of that stuff. Okay, this is the only document that was given to me, which is fine. 
because it's the one that I definitely needed to hear. And it goes on to say, on the Thursday and Friday before the, before the weekend, I had a feeling of intense loneliness wash over me. It was stronger than normal. And then on Friday morning, the Lord began to speak to me to address this topic of the feeling of loneliness amongst the remnants. You know, Jesus felt like this in the midst of the disciples, and he knew and carried things in his heart that none of them would understand and none of them could see spiritually. The remnant experiences the same thing in the midst of her, of her families who have no understanding of the times that we are in right now. Some of the remnant are physically all alone, and some are emotionally alone. Some of them are both. Uh, and married to spouses who have absolutely no interest in setting themselves apart for the Lord. And so, the Lord wants to speak uh, on this topic of loneliness, the sensation of loneliness amongst the remnant. As the tip of the sphere pierces ever deeper into the dense darkness that is rolling in across the world, and the rest of the spearhead is blissfully unaware of what they are about to pass through, boy, that's a hearty amen, the extent of the feeling of separation and loneliness becomes more and more tangible within the hearts of the remnant. But we must remember, precious remnant, we are those mentioned in Malachi 3. It's Malachi 3, 3.16, by the way. Those who fear the Lord and speak often to one another and think on his name. Those who are recorded in the book of life, those who are to be his jewels on the day that he openly declares them. Praise God. And, then, and this author goes on to say that another of his jewels was Moses. That humble man who also pressed higher and higher, passing through the darkness of the clouds on Mount Sinai, knowing that uh, that there uh, he would have a tryst with God, uh, with the God of heaven and earth, face to face. And for those of you who don't know what the word tryst means, um, this individual goes on to explain that um, one of the um, uh, uh, actual de- definitions of the word tryst is to have a, a, an appointed, a, a, uh, let, let's see if I can find it. Okay, so um, uh, the humble man, um, and, she, and for those who don't know what the word tryst means, it is an it is an quote appointed meeting with a beloved a secret anointed meeting with a beloved there is a sense of secrecy in the word tryst in Exodus 20:21 20, it says and the people stood afar off and Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was and then um, this individual goes into all kinds of scriptures and all kinds of biblical examples of of different uh, patriarchs of the Lord and how they had been called away from the rest and were uh, for a purpose uh, that God, you know, had set them aside uh, for something special. Okay, and it, it's really um, a powerful, powerful writing, and um, I hope, and I pray in the name of Jesus, that the Lord will place it upon my heart, I don't know when, I don't know when, uh, to read this whole thing to the listening audience, okay, because it is a powerful, mighty blessing, and um, it also... So, you know, normally our normal human nature um, reaction to the intense loneliness that is associated with our walk, which is highly unique, and I believe the person did a, a pretty 
awesome job of explaining it in the very beginning part where it says the remnant experiences this intense loneliness, even in the midst of families who have no understanding of the times that we're in right now. Some, you know, physical loneliness, emotional loneliness, even when you're married to spouses who don't have any interest in setting themselves apart to the Lord. Amen. Amen. What do you kids think about that? That's pretty anointed. That is pretty anointed. And um, it really meant a lot to me because um, what this document did for me as I was reading through it, and I wouldn't put it down until I was done, and it's a lot of pages. Uh, well, it's it's 10 very full pages of text, and if you really dig into it, it can take, you know, about 30 minutes or more to read it all, and if, especially if you look at the references and stuff, it can take longer. Praise God. But anyway, it helped me because I... You know, I think most of us, when we look at the loneliness that is associated with our walk, for all the reasons that this do- document espouses, uh, it, it, you know, our tendency is to feel bad about it, okay? That's our tendency, is to feel bad about it. You know, feel like, man, I was kind of gypped, you know, why? You know, um, knowing all these things is, is a blessing, but at the same time, it's, it's a burden, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But after reading this, I it, it painted out a scriptural understanding of the dynamics in the Holy Bible, where there were certain uh, ones that were chosen by God to uh, be alone, you know, to be lonely, uh, to have that special relationship with him that, um, uh, you know, w- w- was for a purpose. Okay, now, do we understand the purpose in advance? Did Moses understand the purpose in advance? No, he didn't. Uh, He just went and he followed God's leading uh, and did what he was, what was asked of him. Okay, and I I don't want to get into the whole story of Moses, but she gives examples of so many patriarchs and so many dynamics in the Bible where somebody was called away uh, for a special purpose and uh, that they, too, also, because of that special purpose, were separated and you know from the rest and became uh you know i think she even goes into a section where she's talking about how you can be in the in, in the midst of a big congregation at a church and still feel that same you know supernat that same powerful loneliness which is true it absolutely is true and i i i adore the way this individual you know goes on to say uh you know how uh you know um you know the the people are not you know we're the tip of the spear uh you know and, and you know it says as the tip of the spear pierces ever deeper into the dense darkness that is rolling in and the rest of the spearhead is blissfully unaware of what is what they are about to pass through and um boy oh boy I don't know about you, but that to me, boy, that just, that hits the ball so hard. It's like, you know, the baseball has flown completely out of the stadium, bounced off of three more stadiums, and is, you know, floating around in the Pacific Ocean. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So the cool thing about uh, my takeaway after reading that, and what a blessing, was what a blessing it is to be lonely. What a blessing it is, you know, to to be in the positions that we are in, 
uh, for all the right reasons. And then when you come to that understanding of how awesome it is, because, you know, it, it's like it, um, it's like cognitive behavioral therapy. I brought this up a gazillion times. I don't even know how many. But it's like, you know, you can choose to be happy. Um, your situation that you are going through might be you might have. Uh, let's just use let's say out of 20 possible reasons, 19 of the reasons that you have come up with are all bad reasons. You're like, oh, man, the situation that I'm in, man, this this is terrible. That is terrible. And you count them all up and you're like, wow, 19 out of 20. But then you have the 20th reason and you're like, but the 20th reason is actually a great reason. So you choose to focus on that really great positive reason. You choose to be happy. You smile. You embrace that. And then um, you capitalize on it. And, and uh, you know, that may not be the, the most optimum word to choose, but um, it, it, in a metaphorical sort of way, you, d- you do capitalize on it. You, you identify with the coolness of why God has, you know, so many, how many times do we talk about on the show? Many are called, few are chosen. Well, guess what? Yes, there's a price to be paid when you're chosen. Yes, it, it doesn't. It's not all furry white kittens and, and snuggly bunnies. It's not. But it is a mighty blessing if we decide in our hearts and become so the first step for me okay was for god through the holy spirit through another believer to hand me this document let and 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 when i started to read it it was like i could not i couldn't put it i couldn't put it down i could not put it down i couldn't put it down uh there was no way i was going to put it down so anyway and i went all the way to the end and i walked away i literally sat my phone down in the dark and i thought to myself wow Wow, was I missing? Was I ever missing how cool it is to be who we are? How many of you out there have the tendency, such as myself, to feel crummy or gypped or whatever word you want to think of because of your, where you are in life now, your loneliness? your separation from your spouse, your, whatever it is that you're going through, the, the uh, awfulness of the way that you're treated by your family um, or friends, all the friends that you've lost, the time that you, it, even if you wanted to spend time with somebody and go out to dinner, you have nobody. You've been completely jilted by all. And even those that you might be able to still hang out with don't get it at all. And you can't even talk about it. I've had a lot of people recently come to me and say, you know, I really want to say, I want to explain this to somebody. I want to explain that to somebody. I want to warn people. And they just chatter on. Amen. I'm with you. My recommendation more and more lately has been, we need to really watch our P's and Q's out there, folks. We really do. I believe we've come to a paradigm shift, okay, in the magnitude of the darkness. I believe there are 
the darkness, the hordes of hell have been released upon the, on the earth. And I'm not saying that that is going to necessarily have a direct effect on us, although it can. It can. Um, and then we have to turn up our spiritual warfare prayer tactics uh, a whole nother notch uh, to overcome it. Now, not all Christians are going to be in the hot seat like that. Some of them are in a different walk, a different place. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. This isn't, a, this isn't giving a report card to anybody. I'm unqualified to give such a report card. However, I will say I do know as a fact that certain Christians, due to their calling, due to wherever it is that they are in their lives, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it, Okay, are not um, getting attacked by the darkness as much as other ones are. What the reasons are. I don't even go there. I don't even want to go there. But um, to make my best estimation that the hordes of hell have been released upon the earth right now, and the, the level of the darkness is exceedingly, um, uh, exceedingly huge. I don't know what the right word is. Uh, I that that's profound. I mean, that's a fact. Um, and so when I look at all the times that there were satanic ritual ceremonies at CERN ten years ago, eight years ago, stuff like that, that we used to talk about on this show, I wonder to myself, looking back in retrospect, how many of those uh, ritual ceremonies, and don't even get me going on the 2012 Olympics in the United Kingdom, oh my gosh. I mean, just the stuff that, that you know, and then, the, and what about the uh, Grammy Awards? I mean, the same, the, oh my gosh, the bloodletting, oh, the terrible, th- things that you don't even want to talk about. The fact that over in Belgium, I think it is, I'm pretty sure it was Belgium, that where they're, where they're talking on mainstream media about adrenal chrome, okay, and they're explaining about, you know, certain elites over in the United States and other places are doing these horrible things to little babies because they all that stuff and I don't want to get into that it's sickening okay but anyway um, but yeah I mean it's this how dark does the earth have to become for these kinds of topics to be literally talked about on live mainstream media outlets in different countries I mean, wow. So, and I've had, uh, you know, I, and I, I'm not going to get into all of the supernatural dynamics that I have to go through as part of my walk. And the people that reach out to me sometimes in wee, 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 wee hours of the morning, like 4 o'clock, 4.15 a.m., uh, you know, needing super, spiritual warfare prayer, teaming up because they're under attack, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, praise God. I'm not, you know, but it happens. And it's been happening a lot, 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 a lot more lately. And so the only thing that I can figure is, yes, we have come to a point, just like this um, article about our loneliness as the t- at the tip of the spear, is implying, praise God. And um, it, it is, it, it's something, I think, that is a powerful blessing to all of us when we're able to embrace it, because whenever God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, shows us that an emotion that we are dealing with on a daily basis that is really, really awful just horrible to have to deal with day in and day out weeks at a time for me 12 years really um uh you know and getting and and it gets worse over time and so anyway uh to have that be flipped on its head completely turned around to be an awesome anointing and a blessing by god and completely reverse your normal fleshy uh natural response to that emotion that is it, it, and changing it from negative 
to a super hyper positive. Praise God. So I definitely want to find the time. I don't know. It may be this next uh, Friday night prayer vigil that I read the whole thing, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Or I don't know what I'm going to do. All right. But I did want to share with you. I wish there was some, uh, I, I wish there was some way I could publish it. But it's really, really good. So anyway, I'll, I'll just go ahead and leave you with it. It's called, um, it, it, its name is simply uh, Call, oh, praise Jesus, hallelujah, you got to scroll. Come Up To Me. That's the name of the document. Come Up To Me. Praise God. And it shows like Mount Sinai with some really dark clouds over the top of it. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, kids, are you ready? Are you ready to enjoy some? I know you are. I know y'all. All right, kids. What what did the microwave say to the other microwave? Is it just me, or is it really hot in here? Kids, was that funny or what? You didn't like that one very much. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not. You know, me neither. <laughs> All right, but that's okay. Uh, we can try another one here. Okay. All right, kids. Why did the student eat his homework? Why did the student eat his homework? I always thought it was the dogs that ate the, ate the homework, but evidently, uh, why did the student eat his homework? Because the teacher told him it was a piece of cake. <laughs> How many times have you been told some job that you've been given is a piece of cake? You find out it isn't. <laughs> a piece of cake. You'll have it done in a few minutes. Six hours later, you're going, oh my goodness. Kids, when you look for something, why is it always in the last place you look? Because when you find it, you stop looking. (laughs) That's pretty good, kids. What do you think? When you find it, you stop looking. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. All right. Now I want to go ahead and share with you three prophecies. Uh, And I'm going to try to do it quickly because we have, oh, my, so much to get out. Um, But anyway, uh, and we do have the show going all the way to 10 o'clock tonight. So Sister Terry will have, and I should have let her know uh, that she could buy herself 15 more minutes or whatever. Uh, But uh, we we may run a little bit past the top of the hour, which is normal. Uh, But uh, Terry will be able to take it all the way to 10 o'clock tonight, Eastern time, which, by the way, is, let's see here. So it would be 7, 6, 5, 4, 4, 5, 6, 7, 5, all the way to 7 o'clock her time. All right, because she's out in the Pacific, Pacific time zone. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. This is from Wings of Prophecy. Uh, Time will run out. Okay, time will run out. And she does say that this is a repost from October the 12th of 2022. However, um, I'm glad that she's doing this because prophecies are kind of like timeless. Okay, and we do need to be reminded of many of these words that were given to us through um, God's servants, the prophets, and to our hearts. Praise God. This one isn't, again, it's called Time Will Run Out. Is the time of America's decline, conditions will become, wow, imagine this in 2022, 
Wow. It is the time of America's decline. Conditions will become dire, and only those who turn to me will be shown any mercy at all. A few will give their hearts to me, but many will not, preferring their bitterness, uh, 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 their bitterness to my love and their pride to my help. This will mostly perish. Uh, these these individuals will mostly perish fast, quickly, though some will linger and suffer longer. In that time, medical care will be almost non-existent, and hope will be a thing of the past. Forsaken by me, ravaged by enemies, everything around them destroyed, there shall be little reason for them to go on. Yet go on, they will, as I call them again and again and again to repent in, uh, in answer to your prayers. At last, uh, at, at last time will run out, and those who have not repented will be given over to their master, uh, to the master that they have chosen to serve. Pray for these, my children, even for these who you do not know, for their end will be terrifying indeed if they do not give their hearts to me. And I cannot tell you how powerfully strong and, in, and, and that I feel and tell people all the time that if we're doing anything for the Lord, it ought to be praying fervently for the lost. Praise God. All right, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Okay, this is from Brother Stephen Hansen. The heat has been turned up higher. All right, and um, he quotes Malachi 3, verses 2 through 3, before he pr- provides the word from the Lord. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Again, Malachi 3, verses 2 and 3. And this is the word that he gives us from the Lord. This is the end of many of the struggles that you have faced. New vistas will begin to open up for you. In other words, new um, viewpoints. New vistas will begin to open up for you. For with the struggles and the pain and the heartache, there is always a time for rest. I don't always take the struggles away, but I do give you strength for the journey and the rest uh, for your labors. I also tell you that during these last days, the heat has been turned up higher. It has reached a time when you must be prepared for what is ahead. For when war comes to your soil, then you will know and understand. I want to make you stronger. I want to make you ready. Nations will rise and fall. The almighty dollar will also fall on that day. Many who have put their faith and hope in their resources will eventually see that these also cannot be relied upon. Salah, Stephen Hansen. Wow. That one is, well, very humble, uh, you know, gives you a chill, really, when you think about it. It does. It gives me a chill anyway. Praise God. Next one up. This is another one from Wings. It's, it's entitled, Enemies Are Gathering. For about four days now, as of August 9th, when I am writing this, I kept hearing rumblings in my spirit, kind of like horses galloping, but with, without the clapping. I just heard it again and again after praying. The Lord showed me it is war coming closer and closer. America's enemies are gathering around her behind the scenes and will soon invade this land. Many lives will be lost, and those who invade are without mercy. Pray now over those that you love, my children. 
children, that I may show them mercy and hide them in the shadow of my wings. Pray for your own protection that you uh, and that that and that which you own, that I may show you mercy also. If America had repented, I would not have called forth her enemies to attack her, but she has not. Okay, that she repents not still. Okay, preferring to wallow in her sinful abominations for all to see, like a like a whorish woman flaunting herself. Her shame is uncovered. Now will those who desire the gifts come and take them? My children, this will be a time of much sadness for all my people and those who are not yet mine. Set your hearts to intercede and draw near to me in the secret place of my presence. I love that because that's the first verse of Psalm 93. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. And it goes on to say, this is how you must prepare. No other preparation will be as valuable as this one. This attack will come suddenly. Do not put it off today. Uh, What must be done? But do it quickly for tomorrow. You may not be able. Hmm. All right, praise God. I'm going to play a little bit of a snippet of this. I don't know, maybe go five minutes with it. This is a discussion uh, uh, with Colonel Douglas McGregor in regards to the things that are going on over in the Ukraine and all that. Okay, I'm going to play a little snippet of this. The whole thing was very powerful, very on target. Uh, I want you to, but I, I was making note of it, and I, you know, there's a lot of really. It's stuff we all need to be hearing, and I I really feel deep in my heart that many, many aren't hearing these things, are unaware uh, on – I will share this with you next Sunday – I think it's next Sunday – no, it's the 30th, I believe. We're going to be having Brother Benjamin Baruch join us on the 30th of April. And um, he it's going to be a powerful program, folks. So we'll just have to wait and see. Praise Jesus. But I want to play a little snippet of this, which is Colonel Douglas McGregor, Ukraine spells doom for Western hegemony. All right, praise God, and here we go. Here we go. To listen to the mainstream media talk about Ukraine, the massive Ukrainian spring offensive is unfolding. Yet there are a lot of concerns that America can't handle any of that right now. Uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor has just written a fantastic new piece called The Gathering Storm, How the Crisis of American National Power Has Begun. It's a great piece. I encourage you all to read it. We will link it up in the description below. But you're also lucky because we have the colonel himself right now to dive deeper into this story. Colonel, welcome back to the show. Good to see you, Clayton. So what was the impetus for this piece? I think the convergence of a number of different crises all at once. On the one hand, you have the obvious banking crisis that is just beginning now, which is likely to be much worse than the 2008 financial crisis. In fact, this morning I was reading about the the top 15 banks in the United States that are likely to fail next. And of those, uh, three have been identified as coming quite shortly. The question is, what are we going to do about this? And that's a question I can't answer. My great fear is that the uh, administration will simply print money, in which case inflation will worsen, and then we'll all be poor because our, our currency will be worth nothing. I hope that doesn't happen. But it's a very serious problem, and the administration has to deal with it one way or the other. At the same time, you've got the problem in Europe. Europeans are increasingly restless. In Germany, people are furious. This news of the Nord Pole destruction has finally made its way into the population. 
they've got a huge wave of Ukrainian refugees they're dealing with, plus the Muslim migrants that they've got on their hands since 2015. There's a lot of discontent in Germany, not just Germany, the Netherlands, Scandinavia, France, all the countries in Western Europe are unhappy. Nobody is interested in this war against Russia. And here we are trying desperately to drag all of them in, in any way that we can into this fight. And this fight is a fight that we are very definitely losing. And you know what Washington does when it's not winning? It lies. and tells everyone they are winning. And that's what's going on right now in Ukraine. Well, what do you make of the lies then? You hear, you know, we've been hearing from the mainstream media that Ukraine is about to launch this, ma- this large offensive. Of course, we've been hearing that Russia is going to launch their offensive. So what, what's the truth here? Uh, and then as you point out in this piece, you said the growing realization that America and European military industrial capacity cannot keep up with Ukrainian demands for ammunition and equipment is an ominous signal to send during a proxy war that Washington insists its Ukrainian surrogate is winning. So we're saying that Ukraine's winning. And yet you're pointing out the realization that we can't even sustain the ammunition needed for them to fake win this war. Yeah, I mean, the Ukrainians have obliged the Russians by pouring tens of thousands of troops in eastern Ukraine into offensives over the last several months, attack after attack after attack. This started long before uh, the fall in uh, last year, and they've lost tens of thousands of people. The most recent figures that I've seen, and they're very, very credible, suggest that there were up to about 250,000 dead Ukrainians. I mean, that's, that's a horrific number for a war that's only been going on for about a year. So how do you, how do you build new armies? I mean, there, there's, a, there's some evidence that you've had three armies literally fielded in the time that this war has taken place. The first, of course, was this professional force of about 450,000 with about 200,000 reservists. That was largely destroyed in the first six months. And a second force was raised for mobilization. That force was destroyed in the fall. And then a third mobilization began before Christmas. And right now it looks as though these brigades that that entered with, say, 2,000 soldiers or 2,500 soldiers are down to about one or 200 effectives. And the the numbers of wounded, three or 400,000, consist of people who will never return to duty. So... The question is, what will the Ukrainians do next? And it seems that they've decided they're going to scrape together whatever they can find and once again throw it into the offensive on the assumption that if they do not attack, people will discover that that they can't win. The Russians, of course, are in no hurry. They they have fought the Ukrainians with a, a fraction. All right, praise God. So, I, and, and for the sake of time, I'm going to cut it at this at, at the four minute and twenty whatever thirty six second mark, but. Um, the entire di- the entire dialogue is exceedingly powerful. But I, what I wanted you to really kind of get your arms around was the introduction, where Colonel Douglas McGregor goes into this explanation, where he kind of gathers together the whole big picture. Now, did he include every little thing? Uh, but he did bring in the you know the financial collapse, the you know essentially the, implying that it appears to be leading to the petrodollar collapse, that kind of thing, and uh, and kind of bundles it in a package associated with the futility of the uh, Ukrainian dynamic, uh, war dynamic. Um, now, let's add a little bit more to this, just a teeny-weeny a little bit, and that is that there's an awful lot of uh, media attention being called for, called, uh, 
to people worldwide um, that now uh, the Obama-Biden uh, reptilian entities have uh, put actual um, United States soldiers in, uh, you know, special forces soldiers groups in Ukraine proper. Now, I'm just going to say this. They've been doing it all along. Okay, they've been doing it all along. But now it's kind of rippling across the whole world as being this, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it kind of, oh, no, you know, we're in a hot war. That's what they're saying right now. We are in a hot war uh, with Russia directly. Okay, so that's that's what people are now saying. So, um, you know, that's I think this information is going to explode uh, forth uh, in w- that which ben, Brother Benjamin Baruch will be bringing to the program this uh, this two, two Sundays from now, the 30th. All right. Praise God. But um, it is, you know, and I'm not going to steal this thunder, so I'll just leave it at that. Praise Jesus. All right. Anyway, on that note, um, let's go ahead and take a quick listen to Tucker Carlson, uh, because he's going to expand a little bit upon what we just heard. All right. Praise God. And this he's one of next to the five. He's the top rated newscaster in the world. This one little piece, by the way, that I'm about to play for you, uh, aired about three days ago ish and has over 9.5 million listens, you know, as of the time that I captured it by now, it's probably through the roof. All right. So if that's not enough. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to what he has to say about all this. So this is not a regional conflict in Eastern Europe. This is a hot war between the two primary nuclear superpowers on Earth. And yet this war has never been formally declared. It has not been authorized by Congress. And for that reason, this war is a violation of American law. It is a crime. So this is not a regional conflict in Eastern Europe. This is a hot war. All right, praise God. So that was just a short little snippet, but... Very worth hearing. Glory to Jesus. Um, now, now, you know, and again, for those of us who have been, you know, we have Telegram, we have our Telegram pregnant with uh, live news feeds. Uh, some of them you wish you could unsee when you do see them. Uh, you know that we're being lied to. We've known that we're, we've been lied to now for well over a year, and um, and we've brought it forth to the listening audience of this program, uh, even blessed with a person who um, is from there that I've uh, played audio bites uh, of. All right, praise God. And uh, so anyway, praise Jesus. Let's go ahead and uh, move forward because we sure do have a lot to share tonight. Let's go forward. From World Net Daily, a grave scandal, this says. The administration of the second Catholic president won't stop targeting the church, according to experts. And it says the Biden administration has been criticized for its treatment of Catholic Americans in the recent months, especially after news broke that the FBI was being used for undercover agents to infiltrate churches. And religious experts were told uh, the Daily Caller News Foundation that it will likely get Worse, the Department of Justice offered plea deal earlier this week with no jail time to a transgender vandal that sprayed painted kid groomers and woman haters on a Catholic church and assaulted several members as well as police officers before being arrested while opting to raid the house of the Catholic pro-life activist named Mark Houck in 2022 for an alleged assault on an abortion clinic worker. Anti-Catholicism has been said to be the, quote, the last acceptable prejudice 
host, Andrea Picotti, Bayer, director of the Conscience, Conscience Project, and a fellow at the Institute of Human Ecology at the Catholic University of America, told the Daily Caller News Foundation. Now, all I'm going to tell you, folks, is speaking of the tip of the sphere. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And let's go through the rest of the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. <laughs> Game over. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, this is very interesting because it takes the Cascadia subduction zone event, which is a mega tsunami, a nine plus earthquake, and is uh, predicted by the experts to bring the tsunami all the way up to, I think, is it, is it I-5 um, uh, that goes around to the, let me think here, eastern side of Seattle. Uh, although it's, it's supposed to impact and wipe out millions, millions, um, all the way from Seattle down through San Francisco down possibly and highly likely into the Los Angeles and probably down all the way to, uh, well, further south. Anyway, all that being said, um, a massive crack has been discovered at the bottom of the ocean off the Pacific coast. Experts are warning of a massive mega quake. Now, we have been getting warnings and we have been reading these warnings on this program now for years. In fact, a couple of, uh, I would say about six to seven, maybe eight months ago, we had a blessed saint who is given a mighty powerful dream of the Cascadia subduction zone event occurring. Um, and that was what the Lord had basically essential. I'm cutting a lot of stuff out, folks, to save time. I really am. But to, for the purpose of saving time, I will tell you this. Her name was Sister Linda, I believe. And um, she was very sweet. And she said that the Lord told her that would be the, quote, next big event. Okay. Well, according to the Sun and, and, and a whole bunch of scientists, uh, uh, along this 600-mile fault line that stretches from all the way from California all the way up to Canada, known as the Cascadia Subduction Zone, what they're saying is that it has now it has sprung a crack of doom. It's a red alert for a magnitude 9 earthquake off the Pacific coast. The crack that they have discovered, now they're able to actually see it uh, instead of just small parts of it, etc. So evidently, it's become much more profound, much more visible. Um, and <clears throat> to make matters even worse, they, there is now this emission coming out of the crack, okay? And they, they, they're not actually – it says the whole 50 miles off the U.S. is spewing a hot liquid that scientists warn. <clears throat> excuse me, could spark a magnitude 9 earthquake with the potential to devastate the west coast of the United States. Now then, um, uh, so this is for me, now maybe not for you, but for me, this is the very first time in all these years of reporting the Cascadia subduction zone. We, oh my goodness, have we had a lot of people on the program that you know John Shorey, uh, the most uh, has been the guest on Jim Baker more than any other person on the earth, and he has been warning people about this because this was a vision that God gave him. 
and for years. Okay, so uh, but now for the first time ever, there's this freaky, weird, hot liquid. It almost seems volcanic in its nature uh, that uh, that is coming out of these cracks. Okay, so they're looking at this as a pretty dramatic warning of the likelihood of the imminence of this event occurring. Wow, folks, hold on to your Amish hats because that that takes us right back into the next part of the the news. Amish farmer has been threatened for not giving up traditional farming, okay? And um, armed federal agents were used to threaten a traditional Amish farmer just 150 miles outside of Washington, D.C., who does not use pesticides or fertilizers or gasoline to run his farm. Well, I looked it up, and it's in Bird uh, uh, Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania. It is just a few miles to the east of Lancaster. It is really only about 25 minutes from where I go up to visit my sister in East Berlin, and it is the area of the United States of Babylon that I have grown up in. So I am one of those lucky folks, (laughs) praise God, that was busily trying to get to where I had to go on I-30 and uh, found myself in a wagon train of cars that could not pass uh, the buggy. Okay, and you can't. A lot of times, you really don't. You can't even see the Amish buggy, but you know it's that's what's up there. All you can see is the cars going on for miles and miles as far as the eye can see, you know. And um, you're talking about you know really hilly roads and the double yellow line in the middle. So you're basically taking your life in your hands if you try to pass. So people just decide to hang out and you know be late. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so here is a, uh, a, a, a commentary, again, from Tucker Carlson on this very issue. All right, let's take a quick listen to this. All right, hold on. There we go. So apparently someone in the Department of Let's Wreck America as quickly as we can in the Biden administration has decided we just got too much food in this country, and the good food is the worst food. Food without endocrine-disrupting chemicals must be eliminated immediately. Only wheat thins for you and some bugs. So with that in mind, agents from the Biden administration, armed, have decided to attack the Amish. Amos Miller, an independent farmer in the old Amish village of Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania, found out the hard way. The feds say Amos isn't adhering to regulatory requirements for food production. Again, not enough endocrine-disrupting chemicals. You're not using enough GMOs. So with that in mind, federal agents raided his farm. They're demanding he stop farming. They're also trying to cripple him with $300,000 in fines, an Amish farmer. And Amos Miller says he's farming in accordance with his religious beliefs, and he's providing food for 4,000 people in what he calls a private food club. It's really a shocking story, and we wouldn't know about it if it were not for Jeremy Lafredo, who works for Rebel News. He joins us tonight. Jeremy, thanks so much. I want to join that on. club. This one story is kind of hard to believe. They're going after an Amish farmer. Who are they exactly? We have um, the U.S. Marshal Service recently raided Amos Miller's um, organic and holistic farm, um, demanding he cease operations, and they charged him, as you said, with $300,000 of fines, economically crippling the man. Um, and what's happening is you have um, the armed federal agents are demanding he stop uh, food production because of the meat, and you have him saying, well, you know what, I want to keep farming. So 
you have this back and forth between the giant empire of the U.S. federal government and this tiny little farm in Burdenhead, Pennsylvania. So they went after gyms, organic farmers, and churches. So maybe they're against anything that's wholesome and edifying that makes you stronger and healthier and in favor of everything that diminishes you and makes you more dependent. I'm just sensing a theme here. Do you see this? All right. Praise God. We already know what it's all about. They're trying to kill us. I was trying to explain to somebody. Who was I talking? Oh, yeah, it was Chamil over in Belgium. And he was lamenting because of some horrible news that had reached their television sets. And it was horrible. And I said, Chamil, let me put it to you like this. You may not realize how ferocious their hatred is for us. The only words I could put together was ferocious hatred. Um, We may see it as, oh, you will eat the bugs or CBDCs or whatever, but really they want us dead. And they want us, and the more painful and agonizing the death is, the better for them. And frankly, they're looking forward to the mark of the beast because they're going to be severing the heads of those of us. You know, hopefully none of us will be here and we'll be, it'll be, we'll be raptured out of here before that event starts taking place. I have recommended and I will continue to recommend that if you have not listened to, to uh, Ken Peters Tribulation Vision on YouTube.com, type in Ken Peters Tribulation on YouTube.com, listen to it. He was taken by the Lord into a line where he was able to see people essentially being beheaded for refusing to take the mark. I cannot more powerfully recommend that you listen to that because I believe from the very deepest, deepest bottom of my heart that what he was shown was precisely how it shall go down. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And Sister Terry, if you've dialed in already, hang in there for me. I've got a couple of more uh, you know, news headlines i got to hammer through. But we have all the way till 10 o'clock. I think it's 7 years. 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, all the way to 7 o'clock your time. So you'll have uh, gobs and gobs of time. Praise Jesus. I, I'm just making the shows three hours from now on because I just it's, it's overwhelming. It's, every show is overwhelming. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Ynet uh, News out of uh, Israel says top secret Pentagon leak uncovers tense Russian-Iranian relationships. Uh, And again, it says uh, Israel fears that Russia will supply S-400s to Iran. Iran transfers drones to Russia from a facility allegedly struck by Israel, according to a report. And Israel's spy chief uh, says that Iran tends to supply Russia with advanced weapons. Now, it's it's it, it is very weird situation over there indeed, uh, and trying to unpack it and unravel and make sense out of it right now is like virtually impossible. So anyway, I'm just I'm just passing the information along as it's being reported out of Israel on Ynet News. But are there like 30 sides to the story? Absolutely. Praise God. So again, our Bible tells us that we are citizens of heaven and we are to watch and pray. All right. Praise God. Nowhere does it tell us to get directly involved. All right. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Anyway, but but we are essentially directly involved because we're taking out the works of the devil and we are touching people's lives and bringing them to the realization of the love of our Lord Jesus and that they are not from here and they are destined to go home to glory. Hallelujah. 
and that really is our commission. Praise you, Jesus. All right. Uh, again, I I want to I I'm going to put this off to the next show. It'll probably I'll probably be putting this testimony off like forever. <laughs> you know, but I want to I want to play for you the Cheryl Atkinson testimony about how they uh, were threatening to plant uh, child porn on her and her husband's computers to force her to because she was reporting on things they didn't want her to report on. It's just it's just great to hear the testimony come from the individual who was targeted by the FBI, because when you hear it from, you know, I don't like this term in this case, but it's, it's a colloquialism. When you hear it from the horse's mouth, it's impactful. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. The Des Moines Register reports Iowa lawmakers pass new asset tests for SNAP benefits that could kick thousands off the rosters. So translated, what this basically means is a whole it, it look it, it, if they're reporting it for Illinois, it isn't just Illinois. It's a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of states for a gazillion different reasons. And what and the, the moral of the story is they are going to start kicking people who are extremely dependent on their food stamps. They're going to kick them off. And they're not going to be able to eat. And they're not going to be able to feed their families. This is bad, especially in this economy. And the economy is going to get worse. All right, next one up. Netherlands allows euthanasia for terminally ill children, okay, for between the ages of 1 through 12. I'm I'm not going to get into details of that. We all know what's going on with Trudeau up in Canada. Uh, There's a lot of... awful things happening and actually folks the, the it's, it's just it's it's so much more worse than what we report in these headlines it's too sickening and nauseating to really give the whole story all right all that being said praise god let's keep on going United States Factory Inferno prompts evacuation orders. A large fire at a plastics facility has led to concerns of potentially hazardous smoke. And this is in in, uh, Georgia. And uh, I am, to the best of my understanding, they are still trying to put this fire out. Again, how many people are going to be affected or have already been affected by the poisons that are released in the atmosphere. We do not know. They did say it is toxic and it is bad. Uh, As a matter of fact, they're even saying that the facility isn't too far away from uh, only roughly about 70 miles away from Jacksonville. So depending on the direction that the wind is blowing, wow. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next headline up. Jerusalem Post reports Israel seeks United States support for the uh, IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, buildup as experts predict Listen to this, folks. As experts predict in Iran strike. Okay, remember I told you about, oh my goodness, it must have been about uh, a month and a half ago, maybe a little bit more, that um, the Biden administration in concert with or cooperation with the IAF, the Israeli Air Force, were flying sorties with F-35s into Iran for the purpose of a test. They wanted to see if the Iranian air defenses were able to pick them up on radar because of the advanced um, cloaking technologies, anti-radar technologies that are uh, built into the metal of the F-35, and they were very, very pleased to discover that Iranian air defenses did not see the F-35. So now we're getting another report just a couple of days ago that this was released where they're predicting an Iran strike. So watch out, folks, because remember that Putin and Russia are very, very good friends with Iran, and they are getting a lot of their war equipment directly from Iran. 
Would this be considered a direct act of war against uh, Russia? Fill in the blanks on your own. Praise Jesus. Next one up. Why, why the world is unprepared if a new COVID variant, which they're calling Arcturus, provides, uh, you know, uh, uh, that proves to be deadly, and it shows all these graphs, and, oh, no, we're supposed to be horribly afraid, and all this kind of stuff, and um, they're claiming that uh, 11,109 people got infected with it over in uh, India. Uh, you know, I, I'm... I'm just, you know, going to give you the information. Uh, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of, uh, you know, spaghetti letters about what, you know, and, and university it is and virology. It's all lies. It's a pack of lies. Pack of lies. Pack of lies. Pack of lies. Is this a variant or is it a new release of something else? We will never, ever find out. Is it completely faked? We will never, ever, ever find out. All right? So it, so just be advised, okay, just about the time that we're, you know, maybe even getting an inkling of a feeling that we might be able to let our guards down. And supposedly I even heard from somebody that they were going to – that the uh, reptilian overlords of this country were going to drop the shot requirement for people coming into the United States. And now in the midst of all this – well, you heard it. All right, next one up. Today reports China reveals new military draft priorities. Beijing says it wants to see more high-caliber soldiers in their ranks of the People's Liberation Army. What do you suppose they're doing that for? I think we already know. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one. Italy sends two dozen M109L self-propelled howitzers to Ukraine. Now, you may say, oh, my, two dozen. That's 24 of those things. You know how long it'll take the Russian HIMARS to take them out and destroy them? About 15 minutes. All right. So anyway, I you know, when I see these reports, it's just, uh, you know, I just kind of blow it off. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one. Up. Conservative social media shut down by new owners. A Twitter clone for conservatives is no longer viable business. The new owners of the Parler platform have said. So it looks like the Parler platform have finally come to the point where they are dissolving the organization completely. All right. Next headline up. This is from CNN Business. What to know ahead of the Fox News and Dominion trial? So, again, they are actually going the blows. Uh, they're already, uh, you know, threatening this, threatening that. We'll see what's going to end up happening. It's weird, really, when you think about it, because the owners of Dominion are reptilian overlords, and they're going after uh, Fox News, who's owned by Rupert Murdoch, which is a reptilian overlord. So it's like the reptilians fighting the reptilian. Very interesting, really, when you think about it. All right, next headline. Fox News 32 out of Chicago says hundreds of teenagers are flooding into the downtown streets, smashing cars, win- car windows, prompting the police response. I saw the audio, I saw the video and the audio of this mayhem happening as it, it, folks were dealing with Gen, Gen Zers uh, by the gazillions. Um, and uh, and th- they are also the population segment, the demographic in this country that is, uh, you know, uh, buying AK-47s and planning on shooting Christians. Because of what we believe in. As Tucker Carlson said on his one segment, he said that Christians are diametrically opposed to the transgender agenda and they cannot cohabitate together in the same country. What they don't, of course, they never tell you the fact that we, we hate the sin, not the sinner. But it doesn't matter when that bullet is coming right at your head. 
And this is exactly what Jesus told us was going to happen. All right, so it's happening. And, you know, I got, hey, listen, folks, on the back of my black SUV, I got Jesus in white letters, and it is so big you can see it from 200 yards away. So, you know, and I'm not taking it down. Hallelujah. So I, I you know, and I, you know, I, the way I look at it is God's going to protect me. Or he's not. Because even in the New Testament, um, there's, you know, uh, parts of the New Testament. I don't remember the scriptures. I could probably dig it up for you. Probably no problem. But I think Paul says something about, uh, he's talking about some of our brothers. It might be Peter. I don't remember. But some of our brothers and sisters are being, I think, as the Bible puts it, sawed asunder, as I recall. And I was telling this to somebody, and they were like, well, what does sawed asunder mean? I'm like, sawed in half. Okay. So anyway, um, I, you know, and again, you know, if if you want to get a get you know an inkling of some of the things that our fellow brothers and sisters have been through, you can read for free off the internet the Fox's Book of Martyrs. But I still do believe, with all of my heart, I really, really, really do believe this because I've seen evidence of it. I've heard the testimonies of it. I have a testimony of a beautiful young lady who decided she wanted to go into uh, missionary work in Nepal, and she was arrested by the police taken to a police station and beaten ferociously. Okay, I guess ferocious is the word of the day. And uh, she said that Jesus was standing by her side while she was being beaten and she didn't feel anything bad. Okay, now it was a horrible thing for her to have to go through, make no mistake, but I uh, I got the testimony down off of, uh, you know, um, uh, the um, uh, testimony of the martyrs or whatever. You know, the, the mission, uh, I forget what the name of the official mission, but, whoa, voice, voice of the martyrs. Hallelujah. Next one up. When Macron met with Xi, welcome to the New World Order. That was the topic that they were talking about. The Chinese leaders gathering autocratic regimes to his banner. Europe and the United States are divided over how to respond. The French president lobbed a grenade into the field of international diplomacy because he went over there to shake hands with Xi and say, look, uh, we don't want to f- follow and do everything that Biden's telling us to do. We think you know, they're out of line. Can we be, can't we be friends? Can't we be friends? You know, and, and that's So there's division. And we've We've heard it time and time again. The forces of darkness do fight amongst one another. All right, next one up. Obama is running the White House. Okay, so again, I'm going to play this, and then we're going to jump over to uh, Sister, um, because, because folks, it, it, wow, is there a lot of end times headlines, and it's no problem rolling them over. But I want you to hear this. I, I, this guy, it, I don't even know who he is. I'm looking for it, but let's just listen to the testimony. If they're being truthful to fake news, doesn't report on it. Everybody knows the Obama people are running the Biden White House. And there's a little bit of a, a rift there between, you know, and every once in a while it leaks out in the fake news. Devin News. Um, between uh, the Obama people and, and Biden and his wife and, you know, his former chief of staff who's, who's not there anymore. But, um, you know, they, t- they look to me like they keep a very tight ring around Biden. And then you've got the Obama people that are spread throughout our government that have just built on what they did from during Obama's eight years of president. And now we get to, now we're in this very horrible chapter of American history that seems to get worse by the day. Um, you know, it's one thing to, you know, they corrupted the intelligence agencies and DOJ and, and targeted a presidential candidate in 16. And it leads to attacks on Supreme Court justices, leaks of Supreme Court um, documents before the release of, of a judgment. All right, praise God. And on that note, let's bring on Sister Terry Hill. Praise you, Jesus. Here we go.
Mr. Terry, are you there? Yes, John, I'm here. Oh, praise God. Well, I will uh, uh, thank you for joining us, of course, and turn the microphone over to you. God bless you. And this, this folks, is going to be a powerful message. So uh, download it, keep it near you, rewind it, listen to it over and over again, because it's going to be something that we all need to hear. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for the days that we are in right now. Thank you, Terry. And the microphone is yours. Well, thank you, John. And and I just want to say thank you for all of those uh, who work behind the scenes, uh, not only Brother Johnny and other guests that come on, but people who are faithful to up the, upload these, to be in contact with the guests, and the multitude of people that I will never get the chance to meet on this side of the veil. I want to say thank you to my brothers and sisters who are listening now and for all of you who make this program possible. Uh, before I start, I would like to give you my email address for those who are requesting prayer or if you would like handouts or if you have some questions. Um, I'm happy to try to help answer those questions or send some helpful uh, outlines out to you. You can reach me at a word in due season 777 at gmail.com. And you can also visit my website. That's a word in due season.com. And so thank you, beloved, for joining us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again so much. We count it a privilege to be a part of your body. And I'm so grateful, Father, for John and I, who have known each other for a long time now, and for Sister Nancy and for others who are so precious and so dear to me. Father, I thank you for every one of them. I thank you for this incredible body of Christ. We thank you, Lord. You told us even to rejoice as it gets darker. You told us to lift up our heads for our redemption draws nigh. And so we do that tonight with hope in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So, beloved, the message that I believe and am pressed to share with you is this, tests and lessons for the faithful church. And, wow, it's, it's hard to keep up with the news, with the acceleration and the intensity and uh, the reports that are coming through in the news, the reports that are coming through uh, the alternative media, and um, certainly the dreams and the visions that God is giving his people, including myself, and when and if the Lord allows me to share, I will do that. But in the meantime, Jesus is Lord of all. Uh, the government will be on his shoulders. Beloved, he's already overcome. He is coming back, and he was so explicit to warn us and just to give us a heads up of what is coming. And so as we see these things unfold, I think the thing that is surprising me is not so much what it is that he shared with us, the rate that we're seeing these things uh, progressing. Um, just oh, maybe two weeks ago, we had a, a pretty good jolt here in Southern California where I live. And even though it was a four-point-something magnitude, because we've gone through um, stronger earthquakes before, because it was very close, we were very close to the epicenter, it was a real jolt. And when that came, wow, did I have a sense by the Lord. And I have had uh, earthquake uh, dreams and warnings as well. Also, some other things that maybe I'll get to talk about. We'll see what the Lord does here. But I had such a sense that the uh, birth pangs are increasing. And I know 
that there is something called the Ring of Fire, certainly the New Madrid Fault, and um, the Cascadia Subduction Zone. We understand that there are many factors that are coming, and Jesus reminded us that seismology activity would increase. He reminded us of wars and rumors of war. He reminded us of the pestilence that would uh, be increasing. He reminded us uh, of all that is coming. And I guess what I would like to do more than anything tonight is to attempt to encourage you and bring some hope. Because, beloved, there is hope in the the Lord. And even though for some, I know that Some are really struggling and having difficult times. Some of our days, uh, it seems that God gives us a rest and um, a respite. But other days are hard, and some days are really hard. So Jesus is aware of these things. And what I think is important to understand is that on this side of the veil, we are, in fact, being prepared. We are in school, and there are tests. And there are lessons for the faithful church. So I want to talk just a little bit about that tonight, hopefully to encourage you. And also to be reminded that um, we are a family in Christ. And I'm reminded uh, of a term paper that I did when I was uh, attending Bible school a long, long time ago. I actually did a term paper on the church at Corinth. And one of the things that I can remember about studying about that church was the fact that there were divisions. There was actually a party spirit going on. There was jealousy and strife among the ministries. And in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, uh, Paul was actually, let me just read this to you because I feel like I need to start with this. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 3, 1, and Paul is writing here. He said, brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, But as to men of the flesh, as babes in Christ, he said, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. Verse 3 says, for you're still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? And verse 4 says, one says, I'm a follower of Paul. Another one says, I am of Apollos. Now, Apollos happened to be a minister there in Corinth at that time. He said, are you not just mere men? But who then is Apollos? And what is Paul? They're servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each of us. Uh, Paul says in verse 6, he said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And verse 7 says, so neither is one who plants or one who waters as anything, but God is the one who causes the growth. Verse 9, we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, he says, I'm a wise master builder. I laid a foundation and another is building upon it, but let each man be careful how he builds. You know, beloved, in the early church, the way God designed that church is that he sent out teams of ministers. And in those early days, we read about of Acts, we read about in uh, at the church of Corinth, there was Paul, there was Barnabas, there was Silas, Peter, James, and other apostles and elders. And they were, they each had a work to do. And One of the things that I've been impressed about with the Lord is part of our training, if you will, and part of what God is trying to teach us in the lessons 
that we walk through is that all of us are learning, and that's really important. Disciples are being discipled, right? So we become disciples by sitting under different ministries, by gleaning from them, and as we move on in our faith, as the Lord takes us from the elementary doctrines, okay, and um, the book of Hebrews talks about that. There are elementary doctrines. There's basic training where we uh, begin to lay a foundation of faith, and Paul certainly did that. And the elements practiced by the early church, which were essential for growth, and by the way, they still are, okay, involves reading and studying God's word, all right? Jesus is the word incarnate. He is the word who was made flesh. So number one, reading and studying the word of God. Number two, prayer. Three, they had fellowship together. And four, evangelism was a part of their lifestyle. So when we are aware of different members of the body of Christ, different ministries. Now, when I'm talking about a faithful church, I want to qualify this. I'm not talking about a confessing apostate church because there are those who confess Christ, but in fact, their fruit seems to indicate likewise. So I'm not talking about those who have wandered into apostasy, who have wandered from the foundations of our faith, who deny the virgin birth, the Trinity, that Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except through him. Um, and the basic salvation uh, um, scriptures that we've been raised on. I'm not talking about uh, those who confess Christ, but they've departed. I'm talking about those who tell and exhibit by their fruit in their lives that they are being discipled and they are, in fact, making disciples. And we never, ever stop learning. We're learning truth. We're gleaning truth. We are gaining knowledge. And as we do so, God is watching our conduct. So learning is good. Studying is good. Acquiring facts and knowledge and alerting the saints and sharing our faith. All of these things are good. And it is necessary to acquire biblical truth and facts and knowledge. But we need wisdom, all right? So one of the things that we can continue to pray for is the correct application. How do we apply truth and share truth with others? How do we apply and share the knowledge that we have gained with others? You see, when we're young in the Lord, and I'm just myself as an example, I hope this is helpful. I came out of a Catholic upbringing, and I also went excuse me, to Catholic school. So there were a lot of things that I learned that were not accurate. So there were some things that God had to help me. I had to renew my mind. I had to dive into the word of God and be renewed. And as a young believer, I was really zealous for Christ. When I found out what it was to be born again, and I I truly did have an encounter with the living Christ, it was pretty dramatic for me. But what I learned and what young Christians can tell you is that our zeal that we have for Christ has to be tempered with wisdom, okay? And our natural gifts and our spiritual gifts that God has given each of us must be developed and exercised with training. So because 
we are moving along in our faith because we are able to access information because the Spirit of the Lord is, in fact, uh, opening his book. The book is being unsealed. He is revealing things to us. He is showing things to us. And uh, by the grace of God, he is preparing us for the days to come. So as we acquire this information, we need the wisdom of God in knowing what we can share and who we can share with and how we share. So to a babe, we're not going to take a fire hose and literally drown them and overwhelm them. They will gag on too much meat. So we help um, the young ones in Christ to be um, uh, brought up on the milk, and then the meat of the word comes at a later time. Now, in Scripture, when we see... um, different ones, as we read the word of God and we see the teams that the Lord Jesus sent out and how he taught the early church and how they met in house to house uh, and the Lord added to the church, I'm being so strongly impressed tonight that uh, for some of us, I believe the Lord is preparing our homes. And I was impressed by the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to be obedient. First Chronicles 28.10, take heed now, okay, For the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary, be strong and do it. I honestly believe if you have not prepared your home to be a a gathering place, whether that be just a few people, maybe a handful of people, um, if you have been um, prompted by the Lord that this may be something that you may be doing, Uh, You know, when a teacher wants to get our attention, I don't know about you, but I remember sitting in class and sometimes the teacher would say, now pay attention, pay attention, this is important. So when Jesus says, take heed, uh, basically that's saying, now listen up and pay attention because I'm convinced that uh, as persecution increases, as times become more difficult, I I do want to share with you. I didn't know if I'd be sharing this, but I'm going to share it with you. I have had um, a handful of dreams in the past few months in which I am in different homes, and I find myself in a home that either is what looks like my home, but most often it's someone else's home. And in these homes, people are coming in. They're coming in expectantly. They're bringing their Bibles. Some are neighbors that are coming in. Some are coming just because, honestly, they're hungry and they know that some food is going to be served. But in these dreams, I have found myself preparing, thinking, okay, Lord, what kind of food do I prepare? What lessons do I prepare? Who do you want me to bring in as team, as a teamwork, a group that can help these people? And so, again, uh, I didn't know I'd be sharing this, but I've had a dream that seems to be repeating, and it's a little bit different, but in this, I'm seeing a pattern of the Lord showing me people meeting in homes and gathering in places, not always large groups of people, sometimes just a couple. But um, I I would like to just share with you, as when the teacher uh, was trying to get our attention when we were children in school, basically... We, she would say, now here we go, pay attention, class is in session. And so I'm going to say that tonight, beloved, because class is in session. And the question for all of us, are we paying attention? And I, again, I'm so grateful for ministries like Tribulation Now. I'm grateful for other ministries that are watchmen 
that are reporting what is going on, that are bringing us up to date because, again, each of us has a part. Each of us has um, natural gifts, uh, spiritual gifts that the Lord has given us, and it's important that we honor one another and recognize and realize that there are many different members in the body of Christ. And um, I'm thinking back again when I was in school and I'm thinking about times that there were projects I had to do. Here's just one that's kind of funny. Maybe some of you can relate. When I was taking a biology class in high school, and I don't remember if I was a sophomore or a um, junior, but I remember in biology, one of our projects was we had to dissect a frog, okay? So in that particular project, which I was pretty squeamish about, I know, you know, sometimes the guys get very excited, oh, boy, we get to cut open a frog, and they would talk about it. But with me, I can just remember that we were assigned teams. This was a teamwork situation. We had to dissect the frog together, and you had to write down what you saw and answer the questions. And, you know, when we think about certain things that we have to do or information that we have to report, sometimes we can feel a little squeamish and maybe even a little fearful, but the Lord wants us to know we are not to be fearful. Jesus says repeatedly, fear not. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Whenever he would show up, whenever he would comfort, he would always come and say, peace be unto you. And and so the Lord does not want us to be fearful because clearly, as it's getting darker out there, and it truly is getting darker, we're finding that some of our brethren still seem to be asleep or are just barely waking up. Now, Proverbs 6, 10 and Proverbs 24, 33 says about the same thing. It says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Now, we're talking about spiritual principles here. So the problem is, is we don't want to fall off to sleep in class. Jesus is trying to get our attention. He's trying to use his body to warn others of what is coming. But most importantly, them to have that assurance that they have been born again and beloved evangelism and sharing our faith is so important and the lord jesus wants us to be established in elementary doctrine he wants us to know how to lead people to christ and if we're asleep if we're distracted and the term a little folding of the hands in other words inactivity, right? Not putting our hand to the plow. We have to find out what is it, Jesus, that you are requesting of me now? What is my present assignment? Help me to be diligent to do that and not to fall under the influence of the world. The word of God tells us those who sleep, sleep in the night. Those who are drunk are drunken in the night. And I believe this is referring to the spiritual climate. So it is very dark. Midnight is approaching and it's getting darker and uh, those who are drunk and I believe that this is an allusion to being intoxicated under a worldly spirit and and so for those that seem to have fallen back or those who perhaps started walking with Christ but perhaps they've experienced some real pain in their walk we are here beloved we are our brother's keeper we are here to help one another We are here to honor one another and to celebrate 
each other's gift and their part in the body of Christ. Again, I just want to say, whatever your part is, beloved, in the body of Christ, whatever your assignment is, I want to say to you personally, thank you. Thank you for what you did. We know that Paul was not Barnabas. Barnabas had a different gift than Silas. There was Peter. There was James. There were other apostles. And then Paul ordained elders in city. As these cities were raising up, they would ordain elders. Every one of us has a different personality. Every one of us has strong points. Every one of us misses the mark. And one of the lessons that we have to learn, beloved, is first of all to forgive others. We have to first forgive ourselves. All of us are having opportunities, okay, in our daily walk to pass our tests in the lessons of life. And a biggie, first of all, is we have to forgive ourselves. We just have to. We have to forgive ourselves and understand that if we are in Christ, we're a new creation. And we have to forgive others, okay? We we have to accept the fact that there are we have limitations and there are shortcomings in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We all have weaknesses. And it's disappointing when people fail us. And I, I know it's harder if it's a family member, if it's a friend, if it's a brother or sister in Christ. But we must understand and recognize that if we extend mercy to others, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know, I want to be the recipient of God's mercy. So the Lord has reminded me, be so quick to extend mercy to others. Again, these are lessons we have to learn. The word of God teaches us about submission. Um, Ephesians 5.21 talks about submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. And we can only do that if we respect and understand that God has an order. Now, ladies, I want to talk to you for a minute. If you are married, your husband is your head. Now, in personally speaking, I hope this is going to be helpful. In 48 years of marriage, my husband and I basically agree on most things, on most things. Now, his personality and his gifts are entirely different than mine. We're both very different. In fact, the only thing we really have in common, number one, we love each other, and number two, we have the same children. But I'm here to tell you, we don't always agree on everything. But there's one thing, ladies, that we need to understand, and that is that we are always to honor our husbands and to respect them. They are our head. And husbands are told to love their wives, even as Christ loves the church. So when we talk about mutual submission, we must understand that we have to be accountable to one another. So that is one of the lessons we have to learn. We have to be subject to one another and close with humility. If we don't have a teachable spirit, we're probably not humble. Each of us knows some things and has gained some knowledge and gained some wisdom through the time that we have walked together on earth. And so when there was a contention that arose in the book of um, 1 Corinthians, um, you know, squabbling over who I'm going to follow or which person is right, which is not. I don't like that person because I don't like their personality. I don't like they define Psalm 83. And, you know, all I'm saying is that there are some things that we're not always going to agree about. But part of what we're learning 
I believe, on this side of the veil, is that we must learn how to communicate in a healthy, godly manner with one another. That's a big deal. So not only will our faith be tested, all right, because we're in a time of testing, our character is also being proven, and character is a big deal, beloved. There are times that I really want to share with people some things that I know, but I'm hearing a little voice saying, not now, they're not able to receive it. Or there are times that I will hear something in a conversation with a person, and in my heart I know part of it is right, but boy, I'm just not bearing witness with something that somebody says. So what do we do? How do we handle conflict? Because this is one of the things we have to learn. There's a lesson of conflict. There will be disputes. There will be things that we may not always see eye to eye on. But beloved, number one, foremost, is that we all must agree and understand that there are foundations of our faith and we must be willing to share the glorious gospel, the Great Commission, with anyone who is willing to listen. And if we can remember that we're not dealing with flesh and blood, all right, we're, our um, battle is with the devil, First Peter 5, 8. It's against the worldly spirit, the world, that's James 4, 1 to 4, and against the flesh, that's First Peter 4, 1 to 4. And when we face opposition, whether it arises in our home, at our place of business, in a ministry situation, uh, in a uh, career situation where you're facing a legal dispute. My husband and I have gone through these legal battles. I'm telling you, it's like going through hell. And those of you who have gone through those things, uh, business-related, that's what this was. And we simply had to throw ourselves on the mercy of God, knowing, Jeremiah 11 says this, 19 and 20, we trust in God's might and his justice, and he will intervene. And I promise you, God will vindicate you. Let him have the last word, beloved. Uh, Here's the thing, too. Um, It takes two to have a dispute. It takes two to have an argument. But if we can just learn graciously that Jesus is watching how we're interacting with one another, because let me tell you something, the world is watching too, and non-believers are watching. And there is a a dispute in Scripture that came up. Um, It's recorded for us in Genesis 13. Uh, Lot and Abraham, uh, there was a dispute, and there was quarreling and strife that was arising with the herdsmen, Lot's herdsmen, Abraham's herdsmen. And uh, Abraham, again, being the father of all true believers and certainly um, took the higher road, he said, I pray, let there no strife be between us. It's not the whole land before us. Lot, you choose which way you want to go, and I'll go another way. Here's the thing. Abram was talking about the people of the land. If we look at the whole context of that, they were surrounded by the people of the land, and the people of the land were watching their conduct and seeing how they were, uh, their behavior with one another. And his concern was that there was no strife between them. He says, we're brethren. And so they settled it amicably. Again, Abram taking the high road, he said, you choose, and I'll go the other way. 
We see this at the church at Corinth, which I just read to you. And we also see a dispute that came up between Paul and Barnabas. Now, I want to read this to you. And I'm so grateful the Lord recorded this because what it shows us, and again, uh, we're all the same, beloved. We're cut from the same cloth. We're going to see things differently. Each of us has different gifts. Certainly, Paul and Barnabas were both chosen by God, but there is actually a sharp contention that arose between them. And and I want to read it to you because I think we need to understand that there were challenges that the early church faced, and they dealt with it, and there are some lessons for us to be learned. In Acts, excuse me, in the book of Acts, in uh, chapter 15, I want to just read something to you. Uh, there's a couple things that happened. First of all, there was contention with the Pharisees and the Judaizers who were coming in and were saying, uh, let me just read this to you, Acts 15, 1, uh, it says, there were men that came from Judea and they began to teach the brethren, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. And it's recorded again in verse 5, certain ones of the sect of the Pharisees. Now, here you go. That's clue right there, right? So it's legalism here. They had stood up saying it's necessary to circumcise the Gentiles and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. So this source of contention actually was based upon legalism. This was error, okay? So they were still clinging to the law. And again, this was a lifestyle they were raised with. This was all foreign to them. So they had to be corrected and say, no, no, it is by uh, faith in Jesus Christ through the grace of God has also been extended to the Gentiles. So that was a contention. But look at this. I want to point this out to you. Uh, Another contention is listed, and this is Acts 15, starting at verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brethren in every city, which we proclaim the word of the Lord there to see how they are. So they were wanting to go and check on the conditions of the church in certain areas. And verse 37, Barnabas desired to take John, who was called Mark, along with them also. Verse 38, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work, verse 39. There arose such a sharp disagreement, the King James Version says contention, that they had to separate from one another. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing it up because the Holy Spirit prompted me to do so just a few mornings ago. uh, I felt like I was supposed to share these places in Scripture, and this is just a few examples, where there was contention and dispute among the brethren. But again, even these people who were called and chosen, Paul, Barnabas, Silas, Peter, James, and the other apostles and elders, each of them had a part. Each of them was vital to the establishing and training of the disciples and of raising up new churches and of sharing the gospel in many different places. And another thing, too, that I was impressed by the Lord to share with you, because some of us are still feeling the sting 
of separation from friends or maybe family members or brethren in the faith, you're, you're feeling the sting of it and it's still painful to you. And something that we're noticing and recognize, and we talk about how God instructs us and lessons that we have to pass. We are not to gloat over our brother when he falls. Obadiah 10 to 13, Jesus actually had to talk about this because uh, there, there was a problem among the brethren uh, that they were gloating over another person's calamity, their misfortune, their loss, their destruction, Uh, on the day of their distress. In other words, as we read this passage in Obadiah, basically the Lord is saying, don't lecture, belittle them, or tell them, I told you so. Don't mock them, be sarcastic toward them. This is not productive communication. So I know there are times that we really think we're right about something, but overall, as we understand, we're each progressing We're each at a different place, and it's absolutely imperative that we understand that every member of the true body of Christ is necessary. So, beloved, again, let's celebrate our brethren. Let's be kind. Let's communicate in a healthy, godly manner, even if there are disputes and misunderstandings. And as persecution continues to increase and certainly will be increasing, in our land here, and I'm talking about the mainland, uh, United States, uh, persecution is going to arise for the word's sake. As we share the gospel, as we share the truth, it's going to increase. And Jesus told us to rejoice. Now, that is certainly a supernatural. God can put that in your heart if you are being imprisoned, if you have uh, suffered a loss of property, if you've suffered a loss of a business, of a spouse perhaps that left because they did not agree with your faith beloved we need to encourage one another and say you know what i am here for you i am on your side and we walk this walk together beloved remember it was the priests of the lord who held up that ark they were the ones that went before the others they stood there on the ground holding up that ark and those rivers parted You see, they worked as a team, beloved, and in the days to come, in the months to come, and with what is coming, and I know from what I've read in Scripture and I know from the dreams that I have had, people are going to be moving in together, all right? Things are going to happen. There will be losses of jobs. There will be uh, severe situations coming up. Uh, There will be people losing homes. They will... Uh, suffer in ways and they find themselves destitute, but there will be others whose homes have been prepared by the Lord because we are here not only with what we have memorized and the knowledge perhaps that God has given, but again the character of Christ being revealed and literally walking out that knowledge, literally walking out that truth of knowing also One of the lessons we have to learn, beloved, is to be flexible. There's an example of this in the 16th chapter of Acts. Um, Paul thought he would be going to Asia, and we make plans. But what we must learn is that we must allow the Lord to change our plans. And we may be going along and seeing God is using us in our home, using us at our business, in our ministry, uh, in our neighborhood, in a certain way. 
But then the Lord changes that direction because here's the thing. We must be flexible, pliable in the master's hand like that clay, like the, uh, the clay on the potter's wheel because you see Jesus understands the full scope of divine timing. He understands the conditions and the readiness of the people where we're going to be living, where we're going to be going, where we're going to be laboring and helping others. He knows what's best for all. And basically God said, I know you've had plans. He told Paul. Um, And then Paul received in a vision, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Jesus will be speaking increasingly more and more, I believe, uh, through visions and dreams, especially when Bibles uh, are, are going to be outlawed. The word of God will be forbidden in some places. It's important to know that we want God's will and not our own will, even though we can look back and say, boy, this is the way I've always worked. This is the way I've always ministered. This is where I went. This is who I ministered with. Jesus has our permission, amen, to put us where he wants. And so part of this is learning to be content. There's a lesson of contentment that we have to be content with wherever we are, with whatever God provides, okay? And we learn not to grumble. We learn to be content in the midst of various situations and circumstances, even though it's hard. And I want to talk a little bit, just a minute, about the lesson of restraint. And when I use the word restraint, I'm talking about self-control in our words and in our conduct, okay? Because what I'm finding is that increasingly with people that I'm meeting is that they have heard words and people have honestly professing Christians have done things that are not at all Christ-like. And I know we've all missed the mark. I know none of us has measured uh, up to Jesus' standard of perfection. We're still in the process. This is a process of sanctification, beloved. But what we have to do is recognize that there are times that there is such a restriction, okay, if you will, That's the harness of the Lord, which keeps us under his yoke. And that's Matthew 11, 29, 30. We must accept it. And we know the scripture. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, meaning that he knows exactly where we need to be, where we need to be placed, who is to interact in our life with us at any given time. Um, he ne- we need to learn and understand that though we may feel even maybe like a captive where we work or maybe even like a captive uh, in maybe even in our own homes, you might feel like you're a captive in your own home. But if we understand and realize that Jesus is enlarging us from within, he's teaching us to be content. He wants us to understand that godliness with contentment is great gain. And even though there are times we would like to share things with people, we would like to sit them down and talk to them about things Jesus has taught us, some of us find this, and this is a a source of frustration that I've run into with some family members, with relatives, or with sisters or, or brothers I know in the Lord. I would want to share something, but I have to ask the Lord, Father, what do I say? What do I not say? And what I'm realizing is that some people can't hear some things, okay? They can't 
receive or understand some of the, uh, for example, the artificial intelligence and um, the technology at this present time. For example, artificial intelligence uh, is becoming more and more prominent. Uh, this whole chat GPT thing, uh, the developing of what was called robot gods that will even perform religions. I actually read an article uh, just the other day uh, by the U.S. Sun. It was published in March of this year by a man named Wesley Wildman. This is a professor of theology. Now, this is something I would like to share with certain people to talk about the advancement in artificial intelligence and the fusion of biology, which will be our bodies and technology and artificial intelligence linked to a data or linked to a database, which I believe is uh, essentially the mark of the beast. There are things that I cannot share with some of my brethren and some of my relatives because it overwhelms them. I lose them. And Jesus knows exactly what we need to hear and when we need to hear it. So I believe that part of the training for example, with this man named Wesley Wildman, this professor of theology, said that artificial intelligence, these robots are going to be writing better sermons and give better Bible studies, and they will perform religious duties better than humans. And he said, and I quote, I wrote this down, he said, it will be like having your own personal guru that you can take with you anywhere. You can confide in it. You can get advice from it, learn to trust it to help you figure out complicated moral and spiritual situations, end quote, which is, in fact, beloved, the very essence of the Antichrist, okay? Again, Antichrist, which will be a person, and I believe he's alive today, Antichrist means in place of Christ or instead of Christ. So with the advancement of this technology, artificial intelligence, and this chat GPT that is uh, progressing, there's a whole lot of people I can't talk to about this, all right? And it's okay. Jesus is going to show us, and I'm thinking of what he told his own disciples. He said, there are many things I desire to tell you, but you are not yet able to receive it. So he was so incredibly in tune with his father. He said, I only say that which I hear my father saying. I only do that which I see my father doing. Part of our training, I believe, is to be sensitive to what people can hear and what they can absorb at any given time. Now, that only comes by the Spirit. That takes the wisdom of God, beloved, because there's things after many decades that I've learned. And by no means, uh, I have not arrived. I am not perfect. I am I have a long way to go, beloved. I am very much in this process of sanctification, but there are things I would like to share with people, but I can't. And so even the pressure that you and I feel, okay, when we hear this kind of information, when we begin to study, when we begin to discern these things, wow, our hearts break because we realize there are a lot of people that aren't seeing it. There's a lot of people that aren't getting it. Some are asleep. Some are waking up. Yes, some are getting it. But sometimes we feel that pressure to think that we have to tell it. And there is also pressure. Do we yield to God's wisdom or the, to the demands and the opinions of people? So the pressure that we feel because we would like 
to bring people farther along in their walk. We would like to bring them up to scale. We would like to update them. Jesus is having to teach us what group of people at any given time that we may share. And again, with individuals, with groups, with training or teaching sessions, when God gives me the opportunities, as he has many times to speak to different groups. I'm so grateful. But I have to be listening even through that time. Father, do I share this or do I not? Uh, Because he knows where everybody's at. And, beloved, there's one thing I do know. He doesn't want us to put people in fear. We have to be careful how we share truth, okay? And so, again, we need the wisdom of God. So let's continue to ask the Father for wisdom. And, And there were tests. I mean, all through the word of God, we read about tests. For example, in Exodus 16, 4, uh, the Lord said to Moses, he said, I'm going to rain bread down from heaven for you. We know that's manna. And the people will go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them. In other words, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So for God's people in Exodus, as it is true today, this is a test trusting him that we will know God will meet our needs. It's not going to be met possibly in the way we expect, but my Bible tells me my God shall supply our needs. So I choose to believe that. And he told Moses, I want to see if they will walk in my laws or not. So that was a test for them. Manna, all right. They had to gather a certain amount every day. And they had to follow instructions. This was part of their training. Now, here's a a test for some of us, and we can read about this in Philippians 3, 13. Um, And Paul wrote, he said, this one thing I do, he said, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forth unto those things which are before me. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. And for some of us, this is a test of leaving our past behind, all right? Meaning, again, we have to not look back and um, meditate on our failure. We learn from it. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us, right? So that is a test. If we miss the mark, and who of us hasn't, if we make poor choices, if we make mistakes that we regret a year, five years, ten years later, and we think, oh, if only I had, and then fill in the blank. Beloved, we have to leave our past behind, okay? When we think about Paul, or excuse me, he was first Saul of Tarsus. He consented to the death of Stephen. He was the first martyr, consented to stoning him. And uh, again, when we look back at where God has brought us, And we think, oh, if only I hadn't wasted so much time doing this. If only I had done that. You know, we we have to keep looking forward, beloved, and know that everything that we have learned up to this point uh, is helpful for us in God's divine school of instruction. Here's another test of faith. Hebrews 11. Abraham looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. And in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is called the Hall of Faith, it talks about what our precious brothers and sisters had to endure by faith. It said these all died in faith, 
having not receiving the promises. They had not received the promises yet, but they saw them far off and they were persuaded of them. They embraced God's promises and confessed that they were just strangers and pilgrims in the earth. These were tests that our brothers and sisters had to pass. And the lesson of perseverance as we learn to be steadfast, the lesson of long-suffering with that as we abide in him and persevere in our faith as we continue to love and be kind to people that quite honestly aren't so easy to love sometimes, right? But that is a command. We know that, don't we? And as we persevere and endure loneliness, and who hasn't and who doesn't from time to time, Regardless if you are single or married, if you're separated from friends, family members, those you hold dear, there are some things we're just going to walk through alone, beloved, and nobody but Jesus knows about it. But he's there with us, and we have to persevere on our own because, you see, we're only ultimately responsible for our own behavior. We've raised parents. If you've raised your children while they're still under your roof, Yes, you're responsible for their actions if they're minors, but once they move out and they're on their own, uh, you've done your job and you pray for them and you give them advice if and when they ask for it and you try to model godliness to them. But again, we have to check our own hearts and continually know that we are trying to be that example. And There is a reward for those who persevere, who don't draw back, okay? There's a lesson of learning to rest in the Lord. And we know that true rest, beloved, is found in a person, okay? And it's a learning of ceasing from our own self-directed, self-appointed labors. It is doing what we know the Father has directed us to do. And the true Sabbath is not just a day, but it's a lifestyle of entering into the Lord's rest. And it includes resting in the Lord. When I talk about resting in the Lord, it doesn't mean inactivity. It means we rest in knowing we are right smack in the middle of God's will. What a place of rest. Uh, He who's dwelling in that secret place of the Most High, who's abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. That precious Psalm 91, we look at the contrast, (coughs) excuse me, in Luke 10 between Mary and Martha. Jesus was in their home. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was scurrying about, uh, trying to prepare a meal, picking things up. Now, you know what? We, we have to remember that uh, all due respect to Mary, Martha was trying to get her job done, and her job was important. She was uh, allowing that gift of hospitality to flow through her. These two women, these sisters, loved the Lord Jesus. Lazarus was their brother. This was a place where Jesus would come and go. This was like family to him. They loved him, and he loved them. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. But the difference here is Jesus didn't really rebuke Martha. What he said to her is, Martha has chosen the better part. 
Jesus was in the house, beloved, and when the Lord is visiting, when the teacher is speaking, when the rabbi is in the room, we sit at his feet, amen? And there's a time and a place for picking things up and getting food ready and doing the dishes and doing the laundry and doing the yard work, and all of those things are important. They had to be done because God wants us to be good stewards, right? But again, it's wisdom in knowing where we need to be at the right time, uh, and this is part of our learning. And, you know, the lesson of pressure, I was talking to somebody recently, and this sister said to me, she said, well, you don't know how much and what kind of pressure that I'm under. And I, under my breath, I said, Lord, help me to listen, help me to answer graciously. And honestly, none of us really knows what our brother and sister is going through. We might make some observations. We might hear some testimony and some stories. But, beloved, pressure is a way of life. And part of our training is learning how to function under pressure. Now, different people respond to different kinds of pressure, okay? And being in a pressurized situation, being in a place where you have um, deadlines, uh, you have projects, you have things you've got to get done by a certain time, what we can try to do is ask, what can I do, sister? What can I do, brother? Now, there are going to be times that you won't be able to help them physically, but we can always pray for them. And friends, when somebody is hurting and under pressure and they're trying to tell you all of this that's coming on, they don't need a lecture and they don't need to be preached to. They need somebody that is listening to them, who knows they really care for them. This is what Jesus did. He always knew how to respond with the right words at the right time at the appropriate place uh, where he was speaking. So the Lord is teaching us some things. He's giving us guidelines. He's helping us to determine how do I know, how do I test what truly is from the Lord and what is not from the Lord. One of the things that we can test, you know, because the scripture tells us that we are to test the spirits and we must line everything up, uh, any word that a person gives, any supernatural manifestation, any dream, any vision, any message that someone claims to have, okay, and any true revival. How do we know if there truly is a revival happening in a certain place, in a home, in a city, at a school? If you hear of things, how are we going to know these things? How do we test to see if these things truly are from the Lord? Well, number one, there's going to be true repentance. There will be an an emphasis on intimacy with the Lord and holiness. There will be growth in grace. If there truly um, is a moving of the spirit, if there truly is what we call revival in an individual, in a group, in a family, in a church, in a city, There will be ongoing prayer and intercession. Prayer will be a huge part of it. There will be a burden for the lost to reach the lost with the gospel. There will be adherence to scriptures because the word of God is the plumb line. It's it's what the standard that we measure everything up against. And there will also be biblical signs and wonders. 
But there are certain elements that we should be looking for. This is a test for us, and this is a test as we interact with one another, as we hear somebody's dream or vision or prophecy. If we're listening to a teaching, if we're listening to a message, what we must be aware of and understand, and I believe sadly it's happening uh, today, the gospel is sadly being diluted, polluted, watered down with heresy and error. Now, we know this. We've talked about this a lot. And there are elements, there are ungodly elements that have infiltrated the church. And so if we see someone trying to divide a flock or destroy a covenant relationship, then we have to understand that this is not from the Lord. Uh, If there is someone who is introducing false doctrine, lying signs, Uh, or unscriptural practices. Again, if we can discern a mixture, because the counterfeit contains partial truth and the leaven of error, that's Galatians 5, 9. Uh, 2 John 9 tells us, whosoever transgresses goes beyond the boundaries set forth and already established and does not abide, live in, trust, stay in, remain in the doctrine of Christ, does not have God. Beloved, if you go to a meeting, if you hear something, if you observe something, and this person says they have a spirit that they can use, know that it's not the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is God, and no one uses God. No one is free to operate in spiritual gifts when or how they please. These gifts are given by the Lord, beloved. And sadly, we see many of these gifts have been abused. And again, the necessity of being established in sound doctrine, in the faith, in the elementary principles of the word of God, if we're not established in the word of righteousness, if we're not continually in the word, holding one another accountable to the word, If we're not in that place, which is a healthy place, okay, we teach one another, we help one another, we listen to one another, we pray for one another. If we're not established in these things, we can be deceived. God's word tells us it's possible for the elect to be deceived. If you know a person, if you've been in a meeting, a situation, or even in a relationship where you are seeing that someone is attempting to overpower, this is important, to overpower another person's free will or actions through domination, manipulation, threatening, and control in order to obtain a desired result, they are utilizing another spirit. This possibly could be a spirit of control or Jezebel, which we know uh, there are elements and there are things that just sometimes seem off there's other times that you know wow it's like a punch in the stomach and you realize it's like you heard something but clearly it was a um a knife now the word of god is like a sword right we know that it pierces it divides asunder it separates between thoughts and intents of the heart joint and marrow soul and spirit so we'll convict us But Jesus doesn't beat us up. That's so important to understand. Or if you're hearing ear-tickling words and it's glorifying a a ministry or a person. If 
a person is being given all this adulation, oh, look how wonderful this or this gift, or on and on and on. The emphasis, beloved, always has to be upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ and his righteousness and his cross and his finished work, okay? So, again, we're learning about testing spirits, testing words, visions, and dreams, and uh, when we're in elementary school and children are starting in kindergarten or preschool, maybe sooner, the, one of the basic things is, do you know your ABCs, right? And we've all heard this, but it bears repeating. A, acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Beloved, we all need a Savior. We need nice people, good people, benevolent people, helpful people. But, beloved, every one of us is lost. We have to acknowledge the fact that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. B, believe, right? A, B, C, believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. C, confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And we've talked about repentance. We've talked about what looks like a a true move of God. When we share the gospel, it's important that people understand that all of us, and I include myself in this if I'm trying to share with someone, all of us have broken God's law. We're all guilty before God. And if they can understand they've broken God's law and we are separated from our Father, that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And Hebrews 5, 9, and Jesus, being made perfect, became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. So obedience is huge. Sharing it simply. Do you know your ABCs? Acknowledge him. Believe in him. Confess him. And the word of God tells us simply. Now what I'm sharing, this is elementary stuff, but it's amazing to me that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have not been taught in elementary doctrine. And it's important perhaps even for some of us that have walked for a while, to be reminded of him, that we are forgiven. Ephesians 1, 7 says so. It doesn't matter what we've done or how we've missed it. If we are in Christ, beloved, we are forgiven. What a huge sense of relief. The enemy comes with condemnation. And if we can learn, again, in the school of God's divine instruction, he comes as an, incu- as an accuser, Right? And we're all just trying to run the race, right? We can help learn from one another how to run the race, right? And fight the good fight of faith. We don't fight each other. We're wrestling with principalities. We're wrestling with unseen demonic influences. The Bible tells us that we're justified. 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 So there's justification. Justified in Christ. There is sanctification that's the process we're all in and sanctification is also uh, being set aside to sanctify is to set aside or set apart so we're in this process now and then there's glorification and that will come when Jesus returns for his church God gives us peace beloved second Corinthians 517 we're a new creation wow And yet Paul described for us, and I'm so glad God wrote it in his book, he said, that which I would not do, I do. And that which I shouldn't do, I do it. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, 
Who shall deliver me from this body of death? You know, beloved, we will be delivered from this body of death. We will be given new bodies one day. And the Bible tells us right now, we are a new creation. And yes, the struggle is hard. Yes, we struggle and wrestle with principalities against the spirit of the age, against our own fleshly desires. But Romans 8.1 and John 5.24 says we are delivered from condemnation. Praise God. There's a difference between conviction, and we learned this in God's school. God teaches us. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation does not come from the Lord. Condemnation comes from the accuser who tries to remind us of our failure, who tries to tell us we'll never be good enough, we'll never be holy enough, we'll never be smart enough, we'll never be good enough, we'll never be educated enough, on and on and on. That is a lie. Your righteousness and my righteousness is in Christ, beloved. And we are in the process and we're keeping our eyes fastened on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And again, one of the elementary doctrines is we now are the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Wow, this tent that we walk around in called our bodies, okay, this tent is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. That is absolutely amazing, but it is also a fact. And Jesus knows He told his disciples, it is necessary that I go away. He said, and when I do, I will send you another comforter. I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and he will take that which is mine, and he will show it to you, and he will instruct you. He will show you things to come. And so we all need training. Jesus addressed that in John 16. Galatians 4.2 tells us that we're all under tutors and governors, every one of us, as a child of God. As an heir of salvation, God brings tutors into our lives. He brings us friends, companions, brothers and sisters, those who speak into our lives from whom we can glean precious treasure, eternal things, beloved. And I'm so very grateful for the men and the women, not only who paid a price to teach me, to listen to me, to be patient with me, who have instructed me, who have befriended me. And I'm incredibly thankful to my father, and I know you are too, for the price that men have paid to get the gospel to us. The scriptures that were recorded, the beatings that they endured, the um, time spent in jail. Paul was uh, over and over repeatedly stoned so many times, thrown over a cliff, left for dead. We read about the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 and some of the things that our brothers and sisters endure that you and I will never probably have to endure. Certainly imprisonment is a reality. Certainly uh, the loss of life could be a reality. And we know that Jesus uh, tells us that there are some of you uh, who will be given over. Uh, The early church, uh, some were thrown to the lions and were destroyed by lions, and others were spared, such as Daniel. You know, the Lord knows the plan and the call of God for each of us, beloved, but what we have to remember and know that this life is so short, 
at any given time on any day, we don't know but that the Lord Jesus would call us home. And we think about, and I'm thankful for what I've learned. Again, I'm thankful for those of you who have contacted me, who have encouraged me, who have prayed for me. I, I cannot tell you how, how precious that is to me because I know God answers prayer. And I want you to know that I pray for you as well. I may not have met you before, but I want you to know that I do pray for you. And my husband and I pray for the listeners of this show. And I'm so grateful to my husband, whose gifts are so different than my own, who has an engineering, mechanical mind, who understands things uh, and and math and and some other things, and and I just go blip. I just don't get it. Uh, And he is also great, thankful for me and husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. And please tell your children how much you love them and appreciate them. Please tell them how thankful you are that God brought them into our lives. Beloved, we have to learn to be more thankful. We are so incredibly blessed. We're we're so incredibly thankful as we read about the price that others have paid for us, and they now in turn have taught us. And then we have the privilege of going and instructing others, and then they instruct others with what they have learned. The scripture talks about in um, Hebrews 11 about those who quenched the power of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were spared from being burned alive. But there are other brothers and sisters in Christ as we read, uh, and I have read as well, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and we know that Christians literally were fastened to poles and set on fire uh, during the days of the early church. There were some that were not spared from the flame. Uh, The scripture said some escaped the edge of the sword. Some in weakness were made strong. They became mighty in war. Women received back their dead uh, by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And scripture says some experienced mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were on, cut in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with a sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted. Have any of you been afflicted lately? Have any of you been ill-treated lately? Beloved, our brothers and sisters have endured this as well. The scripture says in Hebrews 11, verse 38, these are men and women of whom the world was not worthy. It says they wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. In other words, they were transients, okay? They were homeless. Verse 39, it said, All of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, but God had provided something. God had provided something for them. And so as we look at those whom God has brought in your life, think about the people whom the Father has brought into your life and know that that there are some that are really easy to love. I mean, let's face it, there are some that are really easy to befriend, and you can trust them, you love to chat with them and be with them, they're kind to you, they're understanding. And then there's others that are like sandpaper that God brings into our lives, and he helps to refine us through exposure to them. And God uses all of those things. And so we endured 
with our brethren. Uh, in Acts 17, um, again, the Apostle Paul commended the believers there in Berea. Uh, they were more noble. Why were they more noble? Because they received the word with all readiness of mind. They rejoiced in hearing the word of God. They searched the scriptures to prove what they saw and they heard. And because of their diligence, this was recorded in Acts 17, because they were diligent, beloved, because you are being diligent in what God has called you to do, whether that be as a parent raising children, whether it be uh, as an employee, as an employer, whether it be as a, uh, a volunteer in your community, in your church, or uh, any, any place where the Lord Jesus has placed you. As you are diligent, as these believers in Berea were, the scripture said that many others became believers. So this test of remaining diligent and focused on the kingdom of heaven, of hearing the call. When we were children, remember when we heard the bell, right? It was kind of like a warning. You've got less than five minutes to get in class. And then there was another bell basically saying, you're late for class. Well, God's faithful church is hearing the call. We know that many are called, right? Many are called, few are chosen, and so our response to that call is of the utmost importance. And Revelation 17:14 tells us, those who are with the Lamb are called, chosen, and faithful. They've been faithful through their lessons. They've been faithful in the classes they've had to sit through when it was really hard. I can remember sitting through accounting when I was in college. Praise God, I, I, I didn't have a hard time getting good grades, but I'm telling you, when it came to accounting or, or advanced math, beloved, I'm telling you, I barely scraped through it. But I hung in there just like you're hanging in there in your situation because we need to know that school is in session and Jesus is very serious about what he's trying to teach us. And he's wanting us to know, are you listening? I remember there was a young man in class when we were in elementary school. I don't know why I remember it, but I do. He used to fall asleep. And we know that there are those that are going to be dropping off to sleep. They're becoming distracted. They're becoming careless. Uh, they're becoming um, obsessed cares of this world uh, with the worries of this world and are coming into a place where they just want to check out. And so they're becoming sleepy. They're falling asleep, and the teacher has to come and say, wake up, wake up. And so when, you, when the bell goes off and the call is, it's time to come to class, it is indeed a call to seek the Lord, beloved, to seek the Lord for what he would have you and I do in this time in our life. It's a call to seek the Lord in behalf of our brothers and sisters, knowing that our relationship with every true brother and sister in Christ is essential, whether we just pray with them, interact with them, share scriptures, go back and forth, hold each other accountable. Uh, and it is also a call to return to our first love. We're, we're hearing that call. We're hearing the call to worship in spirit and in truth. And like you, this is something that I hear the call to all the time. It's a call to continual repentance. When the Holy Spirit checks me, wow, if my attitude starts to go off, 
or I'm trying to react to something instead of responding in love and patience and graciousness and kindness, that's a test for me. And perhaps for some of you, that is a test for you as well. So again, when we're faced with situations, things that happen, words we hear, things that we absolutely know are wrong, again, Lord, help me, check me quickly that I would not sin with my mouth, that I would not grieve the Holy Spirit or add to the pain of my brother and sister who is already in pain. Beloved, let's ask him for wisdom. We may know facts. We may have acquired knowledge. We may have watched um, videos. We may have read books. But again, how are we responding to people that are truly in pain? Uh, It's a call to intercession. We know this. It's a call to watch out for deception. And there's one thing that I know that there, the Holy Spirit tells us in the word because the Holy Spirit uh, moved upon men. He inspired them to write the word of God. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the discerning of spirits. And I've known people, and I believe my husband has this gift. He can discern things. I'm telling you, he can spot a phony. I don't know how he knows it. I don't, he can see through things. People will come and talk with him and share things from their heart. I don't know what it is. Perhaps it's because he's a good listener, and he doesn't lecture people. He listens to them, and he'll say something like, well, this is a suggestion that I'll make. Okay, so again, it's being a call. It's a call to servanthood. How can I serve my brothers and sisters more effectively? Okay, Jesus, teach me. Help me to learn how to respond to people who are hurting. And, beloved, here's another hard thing, and it's a point of frustration for me and perhaps a point of frustration for you as well. When we see a brother and sister continually making the same poor choice, now, not once, not twice, not three times, but continually making poor choices, that's a real point of frustration. This is something that I ask the Lord, please help me, Lord, because it's as though they can't see it. And beloved, more often than not, not always, but more often than not, these that I run into are not spending time in the word of God. They hear reports, they hear information, videos, or they'll go by what their friends tell them to do. But when you try to offer the word of God to them, this is what I'll hear. Oh, but you don't understand. This is my crisis, this is my, uh, this is something that I'm going through. Nobody understands me. And, And so in frustration, I think, Lord, how do I respond to this? Because it's like they can't see. It's like the elephant in the room, but they can't see it. And I'm realizing that some don't have an appetite and have not developed a consistent prayer life. Some don't have an appetite for the word of God. The hunger isn't there. They haven't paid the price. And we have to pay a price, beloved. We all know that. We've talked about paying a price. But some aren't willing to do it. Some will come. And again, I've ministered in a lot of different places and mostly with women. And and they'll ask for advice and I will give them the word and I will um, comment on the word of God. I'll try to give them hope and I'll try to give them everything I know God has put in my heart. I really do try to do my best, just like you do. 
but they will come to me afterward and say, do you have a word for me? And I'll ask the Lord. And I heard the Lord. This is the last time in a recent situation. This is what I heard. You already gave them the word. I told you what to give them, but they're not hearing or they're not paying attention. Okay. I don't know if I'm talking to any teachers tonight. I don't know how many parents I might be talking to tonight. But friends, beloved ones, there are some that are just going to have to go through some really trials, and we would like to spare them from those trials. We would like to help them in their marriage. We would like to help them in their business. We would like to give them good, solid advice with regard to relationships, and on and on and on. But there are some that will hear the Lord say they don't have ears to hear. Just stop. And that's hard. I don't know if parents have experienced that. Probably as a parent you have. Sometimes your child will say, well, Mommy, why can't I do this? Because my friend so-and-so does it. Well, as a parent, and certainly our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us. Amen? So as he's teaching us, as he's instructing us, he's wanting us to know the facts. He's wanting us to feed on that word, to meditate on the word day and night. That's what the Bible says, friends. Meditate on his word day and night. You know, in the book of Joshua, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Friends, some don't want to serve the Lord, period. And that's heartbreaking. They want to serve their own agenda. And so we have to um, graciously learn to shake the dust off of our feet And these are things we have to learn. Again, asking the Lord to temper our mouths, to get that bit and the bridle in the mouth, and to understand that when Jesus truly sends uh, a manifestation of his spirit, when he truly sends revival, it's going to be holy and it's going to be pure. And the focus will always be upon Jesus Christ. It will always be upon the finished work at the cross, and a true vision and a faithful ministry does not focus upon gifts or upon their following. They're not going to be begging for money. And they're going to encourage others to prove all things. You know, God tells us in Jeremiah 23, he said, the true words are like a fire. In other words, he said, my fire will burn the chaff, okay? And and it's like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Well, that thing that is broken into pieces, beloved, is our pride and our stubborn resistance. God knows how to bring the white word at the right time, and true messages will comfort people, but will also pierce the heart. Jesus doesn't mess around. He gets right to the point, and to those who are hypocrites, boy, and who among us has not been convicted of hypocrisy? I have. He'll remind me. Uh, he said, Terry, your your message has to be one with your life. I'm not impressed with what I've taught you. And, boy, I'll know right away, oh, Lord, I missed it. Forgive me. And I have to repent of these things. Probably you do too. But there's one thing that I know. Jesus is there to put his arms around you and me, beloved. His word penetrates the deepest part of our nature. It will not entertain us. Okay, again, we talked earlier about how the gospel is being diluted and polluted and watered down. Um, Praise and worship 
ministry in many places has become a business. It has become a gimmick and a marketing campaign, entertaining the masses. You can tell the difference. You can tell the difference between the true anointing of the spirit and where people's flesh are just being stirred up. There's a big difference. And so Jesus is teaching us these things, beloved. Jesus is teaching us that if we don't have a love of the truth, 2 Thessalonians 2.10, those who do not have a love of the truth will be sent a strong delusion, and they're going to believe a lie. Now, this is the same God that told us in the Old Testament, uh, God said, I'm going to answer a rebellious one who may confess to know me. He said, but if they're rebellious, he said, I'm going to answer them according to the idols they have set up in their own heart. And God said that he would put a lying spirit in the mouth of false prophets because they have rejected the truth. Friends, these are things that we are lear- have learned and are learning and continue to learn because he loves us so very much, because we are, in fact, enrolled in God's school of tests and lessons. We are enrolled in his school of divine instruction. And I'm telling you, the master Jesus, Rabbi Yeshua, uh, the I am that I am, Jesus himself, the word made flesh, is absolutely committed to bringing you and I to full stature. And sometimes what feels very painful, and we come to him and say, Lord, could this really be your love for me? If you're a parent, you know what it's like to have to discipline your child, and you do it because you love them, all right? If we understand and know and believe, here it is, he which has begun a good work in us will be faithful to bring it to a completion. Beloved, our our faith will be tested. Our character is being proven and will be proven and our attitude will be revealed in God's school of divine instruction. And I'm so grateful for people that recorded under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's word. When we look at the severe testing of what Job went through, when we look at the severe testing that the early church endured and the severe testing that we know that our brothers and sisters are enduring. Only by the grace of God did they and will they pass the test. And for our brothers and sisters today who are incarcerated, who have been assigned to detention camps or what they call re-education camps, for those who are the few, the handful, boy, I tell you, they're far and few between who are telling the truth for faithful ministries. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Johnny. Thank you to our beloved brethren in Christ who are paying a price, who have paid a price, who love you and me enough to get up each day to every dad. I want you to hear this. Every head of the house, let me tell you, as your sister in Christ, thank you for laying your life down, dads, husbands, for your wife, for your children. Thank you for going to work and working hard and consistently and not complaining and coming home and embracing your wife and embracing your children. 
thank you to my brothers and my sisters in Christ who are single parents, moms who stand alone. Yes, it's a test that I've never been through, but I want to say thank you for the price that you are paying. Thank you for being faithful to your calling and know that in God's school of divine instruction, he's teaching you and I eternal things. He's preparing us, beloved, for eternity. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High, Jesus Christ. And thank you, John, and God bless you. Praise God. Very powerful, very deep, um, very relevant, really, to all of us, uh, because, you know, it, it we're living in increasingly challenging times and the number one thing it is it's so i forget what uh audio bite that i shared oh yeah i remember the audio bite that i shared on the last program that was part of the pandemic series um and it's still on the pandemicseries.com website where the man um had testified about how division is sown even amongst the people that are trying in their groups, you know, like the, the people that were behind the uh, documentaries, the people that are in the government that are trying to right size up the mess that we're in, how um, division is sown into the groups. You know, we know that the um, the Project Veritas was turned upside down recently by uh, right after, not so surprisingly, right after they went after Pfizer directly. Um, and then next thing you know, O'Keefe is no longer the, you know, chief executive officer because they infiltrated the board of directors. These kinds of things are happening in all aspects of our lives, uh, and and I thought to myself, even as I listened to the testimony of those involved, how satanic and how very much like Satan, I mean, uh, all the activities, all the things that were done to, to sow division it's 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 a it is like the number one thing that the devil thrives on is to whisper into a person's ear to plant the seed that there you know that there is in some cases division that doesn't even exist it's just a lie from the devil and um, people are you know the darker the days get the more and the more we and I'm, I'm not talking about the church now what i'm talking about is everything in general all around us is it you know as a matter of fact it was obama who was quoted and i even have the quote stored and play it sometimes on the program here he said uh, essentially what he said was when we have created a, a global dynamic whereby no one trusts any source of information at all we have succeeded and that is about as satanic as you could ever want things to be, particularly amongst the brothers and sisters of Christ, where we are commanded to love one another, uh, you know, and that becomes in and of itself a testimony of who truly are part 
of the body of Christ and the body. And then you have, you know, um, it's uh, in Colossians, I think it is, where it says, therefore, is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, you know, tender mercies, love. And if anyone has, uh, you know, uh, disagreement against, you know, another brother or sister, uh, you must let it go and, and forgive them as Christ forgave you. You know, this is a part of our walk. We're not going to always agree on every little thing. And the funny thing about it is, you know, even when Paul and and Barnabas had their sharp, you know, as it uses the word sharp, you know, to describe that, you know, they strongly disagreed with one another. I, I there really wasn't anything in the scripture to indicate that it truly separated them as brothers and sisters. It just simply sent them in different directions, which, by the way, I would submit was probably highly profitable for the kingdom because, you know, the area, you know, the area that. Um, he went that I believe it was Barnabas. I hope I got that right. I'm a little bit tired right now, but anyway, um, you know that that was a part that, of the world that needed proselytized desperately. So I suspect that it was a highly profitable thing that ultimately occurred. Even though, um, and I also believe from the bottom of my heart that as quickly as they had their sharp, you know, disagreement. It was forgotten, it was forgiven, and they were more than anything brothers and sisters in Christ. And really that is, you know, what an awful thing. You know, each one of us definitely want to make go make the extra effort, you know, as we examine ourselves, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, you know, um, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter, I think it's 2 verses 11, 31, and 32, um, we want to examine ourselves very carefully because, and, and I've talked about this on the prayer vigil too, because it's, it's very applicable to all of us and certainly to me, and I was using myself as, a, as an example on the prayer vigil, but we need to look at how we're reacting to things, uh, you know, because that becomes a matter of the heart. And if you, you know, even if you're smiling your way through you know, something negative that's happening to you from a brother or sister or even just a family member, whatever the case may be, you can smile your way through something, but that's really not evaluating your heart. If you're truly offended and you're upset inside, you're really not walking in the fruits of the Spirit because that asks us, indeed it admonishes us, to have long-suffering which is unshakable patience. That's what it is. We are in the in the body of Christ through the anointing of the Holy Spirit as we become more sanctified, which is our aim, our goal, is to be as much like Jesus as possible. And so we always need to be looking at our own hearts, how we feel about things, and ask ourselves, In the grand scheme of being a citizen of heaven and looking at the glory that awaits us, looking at the eternity, the awesomeness that has been presented to us, it it really is so utterly, unbelievably meaningless. And if we can rise above that, recognize it, and let it just roll off of our shoulders and hunt our hearts to see if there are areas in our own hearts that can be improved upon so that the inevitable next encounter is one that's fruitful and draws people closer together um, because it is the differences of the body of Christ that makes us stronger 
in the in you know ultimately as we become sanctified together and those differences and those strengths in our weaknesses are what make us all very profitable for our father because we have the diversities amidst the body uh, that are required to touch people's lives someone will be stronger in one aspect someone will be stronger in another aspect and that balances us all out and makes us much more profitable for the kingdom ultimately and never ever should anything draw us into a place in our hearts where we are not absolutely in one accord and in love with one another as we should we really shouldn't even be able to help that that should just be a part of who we are in Christ by virtue of the presence of the holy spirit absorbing and becoming everything that uh, who we are detecting in our hearts when we are like me i have to work real hard the lord's made it clear i've got to learn to deal with extremely frustrating things at work and I got to learn to let it roll off my shoulders. I, I, the instruction is clear. And I know what that's my goal and that's what I'm shooting at is to just lay it at the foot of Jesus and not let it rob me uh, because that at that moment in time, I become, I grieve the Holy Spirit at the moment of time that we're not walking in the fruits of the Spirit. That's the point when we begin to grieve the Holy Spirit, and that's not a place that we want to reside in. We want to have that peace. We want to have that communication with the Lord. We, we, we want to be citizens of heaven, and we want to become as much like Jesus as we possibly can. And when we know that that's what we're shooting for, everything changes. And it's amazing how much that we thought was important that really wasn't important at all. I look forward very much, though, to the day that has been prophesied, and I know it's right around the corner, whatever that means, that we all, ultimately, all of us, and I'm not just talking to the listeners of the show, I'm talking about the entire body of Christ across all nations, when we all no longer care about who's who in the zoo, and all we care about is serving Jesus. And we drop all the things that are endlessly unimportant to serve that great commission together through God's power and love in unison to bring as many of our fellow brothers and sisters along with us to heaven as we possibly can. And that day, I do believe, is right around the corner. God bless you all. And Terry, such a powerful message, such a timely message because as we all know we can you know unfortunately see contention dissensions and all sorts of things bubbling up out there in the internetosphere and we have to really be obedient to the scripture and walk away not don't be snarky don't be don't join in just say god bless you uh you know i'll pray for you but um you know and and then just walk away and and avoid it. We we really don't want to find ourselves, you know, when we sense that things are are, are going awry, it's it's just much much more holy to step away from it as Paul said to entreat. E N T R E A T, entreat. Look that word up. 
it's it's a very kind, merciful, humble way to simply say, you know, that you you know you essentially bow out gracefully and you go your own direction, which ought to be into the arms of Jesus. Praise God. So anyway, thank you so much, Terry. What a very timely message, especially for today, because we're entering into a period of persecution that will almost certainly grow and become, unfortunately, a little bit more a part of our lives, and that can lead to the opposite of what our goal should be, which is to unite in the love of our Lord Jesus and bring other people along with us, because they're going to see that love, and they're going to want it too. Praise God. Thank you, Terry, so much. What a powerful message. Very comprehensive and absolutely exceedingly timely. Thank you. God bless you so much. Thank you, John, and God bless you, too. All right. Well, everybody, it's Sunday, April the 16th. Um, Here we are. (laughs) And we don't know how much longer we're going to be here. Let's keep that hope up. And um, and, uh, I will see you, Lord willing, 7 p.m. this Wednesday night. God bless you all, and thank you for joining us tonight. Great message, Terry. And, again, a word in dueseason.com. Okay. Check out our website. Got some awesome stuff on there, great teachings, um, and you will be blessed. A word in due season.com. Praise Jesus. God bless you all.
I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.